Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. What's happening, weirdos? This is a, a real treat. Moshe Kasher is back on the show. He was one of the earliest guests on the show, and uh, some of you know Moshe is one of my absolute best friends, and certainly one of my funniest friends. This is one of the funniest, silliest episodes we've recorded in a long while. Uh, I was literally crying with laughter, so let's let's get to it right away. There's no ad. No ad! Which means the ad is, go get Moshe's book. It's called Kasher in the Rye. And uh, come see a taping of the Pete Holmes Show. Pete Holmes Show slash uh, sorry, PeteHolmes.com slash tickets if you'd like to come to a free taping in the Los Angeles area here in Burbank. Uh, the show's been going great. For more info, PeteHolmes.com. For clips and everything that you need to see about the show, PeteHolmes.com. Let's get into it. I I know I'm not there, but I can't wait for you to hear this. This is this is a fun time at the movies. Get into it, guys. Enjoy. This is where you sit. It's been a while. It's been a while, old chum. I'm wearing my earphones. It's funny because we were just talking in the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, 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 yo. It's different now. Do we do that? Do what? A bunch of yos. We could. (laughs) (laughs) We talk about, I just was crying with laughter. Crying with laughter. We're not going to get specific, but it was because it's a little too graphic. (laughs) Or whatever. (laughs) The idea of a studio, can we say it? It's like your private idea. I mean, it's a private idea. We could talk because about it. Because you don't want people to steal it? I mean, I, someday we'll do it. But we can't really have the fun with it because it was about such a specific character. Well, it was about a specific character. But let's just say someone was taking a dump. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of fun with shit. We were talking shit. We were talking shit. We literally were and talking we shit. And we quoted my friend Rob Buscemi, who's done this show. And we were talking about how talking shit is one of the few pleasures. And That's then that led got. to actually a, uh, a, a real good uh, shit, shit story. About, uh, about someone taking a shit with her mother there, stroking her hair to help her along, steam for some reason inexplicably coming up from her ankles. Because I imagine like a pipe burst due to effort. <laughs> Well, as, that's all I want to say. If if I'm being honest, what really made me laugh was the idea of a TV show including footage of a woman <laughs> straining to take a shit. Just, and we were going, ah! Honey, you go, go. Ah! And this, there's a scene happening next to them that has nothing to do with it. That's all we'll say. How are you, Pete? Are you comfortable with that? I'm totally comfortable. How are you, Moshi? I'm fine. Are we already recording? Is this the podcast? What, are you doing a bit? No, this is... You, we, there was no intro. There was no intro when you did it. What were you, episode It was a long seven? time ago. What episode number were you? Do you know? Uh, n- what? No. Aristotle's on it. A-stot. A-stot. <laughs> stat. Get on it, stat. Aristotle over here. Oh, man. Yeah, it was a long time ago, you know. Um, things have changed. Things have changed. Well, For both a, of us. It's a big journey. It's a big journey. Well, that that's something we were talking about on the way over because we've given this no thought, but I just wanted I wanted to have you back on for a long time, and he was episode number six. Number six, and what episode are we on right now? This is like one ninety seven. You know how you know it's been too long since you've been on one of your good friends' podcasts when people ask you or you see on the on the internet people go, "You should do an episode with Moshe Kasher," and they're like, "It happened already." Six. It Six. happened almost 200 episodes ago. That's insane. 
<laughs> this is before all the hubbub. Yeah, that's true. You helped us break into the hubbub. Yeah, I'm sure I played we an owe instrumental you. part. We owe you big time. But that was a good episode. Yeah? Fuck guy. That's what people do. They come up to me after shows and they go, uh, you're a fuck guy, right? <laughs> They're referencing our episode. <laughs> they want some counsel. They, or they want some dick. They, oh, the girls come up and say They want some dick counsel. They want some dick. Uh, no, I'm sure they don't. They just want to talk. They want to connect to me on a Pete Holmes level. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I have to tell them, honey, sweetie, let's go into the bathroom and take a shit. <laughs> I have some bad news. And as I'm, it plops, you go, I got a girl. I'm not a fuck guy anymore. Well, you got, well, you still are. Yeah. Here's the thing. You are. We've discussed this a little bit. After I've had, uh, since my ex-wife, I've had three girlfriends, and then I took uh, uh, a break. I was single for the first time. Kumela and Emily. I thought you were going to say you took a lover. I took a lover and that I winter. I took a lover. That winter, I took a <laughs> I lover. I wintered in the woods and took a lover. <laughs> Indeed, even as the fire burned low. I laid her down upon that bearskin rug, and I took her there, and she became a woman. <laughs> With my gauntlet. <laughs> <laughs> Why were you wearing a gauntlet? I, now I'm picturing you naked, laying on top of a young woman with two gauntlets on. Because you know the gauntlet is like the... Uh, is that what it is? It's I, like a, a, a I thought it wrist... was a chalice. No, a gauntlet is something you actually wear on your wrist, or or conversely, it's a really cool uh, like multi- Hercules. multiplayer game from the uh, early 90s. Welcome, Blue Warrior. <laughs> You chose Elf. Um, yeah, man. Back in those days, if a video game talked, you were onto something. Uh, wait, do you, are you the one that does an Altered Beast joke? Rise from your grave. Do you Rise remember? from your grave. <laughs> it always sounded like they were underwater a little bit. Rise from your grave. Welcome to your doom. <laughs> That's what he would say before he threw his face at you. Um, do you do any impressions? I do too. Do you want to hear them? Since you've been on the show, I've done a lot of different impressions. Really? Yeah. What on the show? On this show? On this show, I think you did I... a Picard. I remember. Yep. On the show, remember? On your show, Frollo Posse. <laughs> yeah, because Harry he's on... Carey, Captain Picard. Because <laughs> he's on the holodeck, <laughs> and he's like, "Computer, <laughs> show me two Dominican milfs. <laughs> I'm just watching." Um, <laughs> I do Stephen Hawking. Let's hear it. That's not a particularly groundbreaking one. I want to hear it. Oh, what should I say? Um, Stephen, what's the name of your book? My book. My book is called... My, my book? My book is called I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell. <laughs> That's not your book. It's called... My book. My book is called <laughs> The Game. A Guide to Getting Pussy. While still chained to a wheelchair due to Lou Gehrig's disease. My body is a prison. (laughs) While my mind is freedom incarnate. You can't say my body's a prison. I didn't. Steven did. (laughs) But you got to make it better with, but my mind is freedom incarnate. (laughs) I am one of the great geniuses of this time. But even I do not like people of color. That's racist, Stephen Hawking. <laughs> what do you think of Chinese people? <laughs> They're Chinese. Hard workers. Without them, no railroad. But I don't understand why they don't just speak English. It's this America, for God's sake. Speak English, goddamn it. Even I, who cannot actually speak at all, 
choose to type in English. <laughs> English. <laughs> it sounds like he's got an accent, though. But that's pretty. That's that's one. <laughs> Weeping a good amount. <laughs> They're committing to English. Say, wh- say what you will all about Adolf Hitler. <laughs> he certainly had some good ideas. And boy, oh boy, what a public speaker! <laughs> Racist. <laughs> Racist. <laughs> Boy, oh boy. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite rock band? Definitely, damn Yankees. Wow, that Ted Nugent. What a shredder. And also, what a patriot. <laughs> patriot. <laughs> English. <laughs> English. Hard, hard workers. There would Somehow be... he's got a software that at the end of every sentence it just upticks a bit. English. <laughs> Incarnate. Hard workers. The uh, nuge. Uh, Hold on. I want to sing my favorite <laughs> damn Yankee song. Can you take me high enough? It's never over. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Do you know that song no. by Damn Yankees? Can you take me high enough? That's a Creed song. No, it's not. Or maybe it is. I'm oh, no. Just, okay. just, I'm just, that was a joke. Um, so that's one. Uh-huh. The well, other, <laughs> I feel like I shouldn't even bother doing the other one. That was so fun. English. The, <laughs> you're tuned in, too. You made it weird <clears throat> with Beat Holmes. There's a small child. Small child. I just saw a small child, and it wasn't <laughs> Gil. Oh, man. That was um, fun. Wait, I feel like as a host, I should buffer so you don't feel like you need to follow Stephen Hawking. Yeah, there's no way that so it's going to get better than I'll that. So I'll go up and oh, I'll, please. I'll do some time. I don't know what I should do. I, You know, I, I lean on Schwarzenegger a lot. It's very fun. Your Schwarzenegger is really great. You, you know what the it. secret to a good imp- impression is? I'm not an impressionist at all. Sure. But I feel like the secret for me to a good impression is not being good. You know, I'm going to agree with you, and it also has a lot to do with when I was married. I've said this before. When I was married, I used to feel like I think maybe I could do impressions, but I didn't believe in myself. And there was something about like being married that solidified me being like, well, this is who I am. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? There was something final about it. I oh, was like, I've already become the man that I am. I am him. I am he. I, I am him. I, I did the English. English. I did that wrong. But for some reason, then when I got divorced, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to be like, nah. <laughs> like, I'm a, I'm a real sucker for uh, bad comics doing like a Schwarzenegger. Oh, uh, sure. Like, here's Schwarzenegger coming. <laughs> like, sure. I will, I'll, I'll laugh at that. I'll hate it. You know what I mean? No, there are some things I guess, that are... You know what I mean? I'll hate it in a way. No, I understand what you're saying. There are some things that are so funny yeah. that people do sincerely that if you say... Like, I used to do this joke... Um, you, I used to do this joke uh, where I would say, you ever be fucking a bitch? Yeah. And it's hilarious. Well, I, I would say, I would say, you ever be fucking a bitch? You'd be all fucking her. You know, I'd be like, ooh, I'm fucking you, bitch. Yeah. And then I, we went in this joke. The real joke was like, I, people should stop calling women bitches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's misogynistic. Sure. Blah, blah, blah. And I don't know what they're talking about. They're like, dog, you got to come to this party. There's going to be tons of bitches there. I'm yeah. like, oh, no. Uh, that's the, that's yeah, the yeah, joke. Yeah. But the, the, 
the impetus to the joke was I was at an open mic. I don't know if this is jokes thievery or not. I don't think it is because I saw this <laughs> open micer in Denver. He was saying, you ever be fucking a bitch? But, like, there was no jokey yeah, yeah, yeah. twist. He meant it. Do you ever be fucking a bitch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just thought it was so funny that a person said something that stupid. Right. That bolt, you know. Can I, was he a, a, a black man? No, no, no. A uh, hell no? Oh, no. I would not have stayed that night to watch that bullshit. <laughs> What's up with this death comedy? Oh, no. Racist, racist <laughs> Stephen Hawking. What are you doing back? Death comedy jam was the worst thing to ever happen to comedy. <laughs> The blue blue collar, guys. Man, that's my shit. (laughs) I love that Dunham. You know you're a redneck when your body no longer functions due to ALS. No, no, no! He goes. You know you're, you know you're a redneck when your neck no longer is <laughs> manipulatable by your own brain, and you have to have an assistant move it for you. I'm gonna piss people oh off. Oh my god! Well, I that's kind of that's a little bit of the fun, I suppose. It's kind of like it's like laughing in church. Is nobody thinks ALS is funny, but this is a this is it's cartoonish, I guess. I don't think it's funny. It's just you know, and and also Stephen Hawking's not racist. I'm sure he's not. It would be funny if he was. If he just had some really close... I'm, I'm, you know, he's a three-dimensional person. We think of him as a guy who's like, let me explain the universe to you in colloquial terms. Right. Right. Totally. And, but and you know, some- occasionally he's like, that Janet you had over yesterday, uh, she's a cunt. <laughs> yeah. No. 100%. That's the whole thing with Martin Luther King. You know, people... Right. You know, the great Achilles heel to Martin Luther King is people say that he wasn't faithful to his wife, but it's like... Well, of course he wasn't. There isn't a Jesus. I mean, there is, but you know, what I mean, there, no one's a, a real saint. They don't. That doesn't oh, yeah. it really exist. You know, right. Gandhi had Gandhi was a wife beater that, or something weird like that. He was. Well, uh, Aristotle, look it up. What, what's wrong with Gandhi? There's something bad about Gandhi too. Gandhi. Who's? I mean, everybody's got a problem. Welcome back to Going Going Gandhi, where we break, <laughs> where we break down iconic figures of history. You're tuned in to Going Going Gandhi. Uh, I got here on the line. I've got uh, <coughs> Mother Teresa. Now, Mother Teresa, it says here that you were firmly against uh, birth control. Is that correct? I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know if I was going see and like fully acknowledge. I don't think she was Spanish. Was she? What was she? She was from Calcutta, but was she Indian? I don't think so. I think she might have been Indian. Yeah? So she would have been more like, "Eh, welcome, right? (laughs) I mean, am I right, guys? Am I right, you guys? No. What did you find? What is it about Gandhi? Bad, bad thing about Gandhi? Going, going, Gandhi. Up next, Ryan Seacrest hates the Jews. (laughs) (laughs) That actually probably is true. Well. Intolerant and tyrannical. Intolerant and tyrannical? Really? What did you Google? What's wrong with Gandhi? I Googled Gandhi was a bad person. Really? Googled Gandhi was a bad person. Did it fill it in for you at what point? At B? Not at all. Not at all? It kept trying to change your topic. It was like, Gandhi's great. You know one of the things that people don't know about Bill W., the guy that started Alcoholics Anonymous? Yeah. people, People within AA know, but they don't like to talk about it too much, and they like to excuse it away. Only ate venison. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, he would not go down on his wife. No. Um, he... <laughs> I wanted it to be that. <laughs> He's like, I wanted it to be that. Oh, me. Bill W. You think Bill W. Eat pussy? Motherfucker, please. Uh... No. 
up. He took acid. Yeah, no, I knew that. You knew about this. He because took acid and mushrooms. He took acid and what was the sixties? Yeah, he took LSD. You know that like Cracker Jack in the sixties, it would have the prize. The paper that was wrapped in was actually acid. Wait, what does that mean? That's how prevalent acid was. Oh, 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 oh! I get it. Welcome back to Going Going Gandhi. Um, <laughs> Our guest today on so the first it was a drive time Going Going Gandhi, and now it's NPR. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll be drive time. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome back to Going Going Gandhi, where some of your favorite heroes of the civil rights movement are proven to be pieces of shit. <laughs> and then NPR. Welcome back to Going Going Gandhi. Act our sh- one. Our show today in three acts. Act one, Bill Huxtable. <laughs> Wait, Cliff Huxtable. Bill Huxtable. <laughs> Bill Cosby. Act two. I know what you're doing William Allen (laughs) Act 3 Act 3 Martin Luther King of Philandering No it's more like Yeah 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 I like that one Like Martin Luther King (laughs) Every show Every act Slightly about kings Philandering Stay with us It's a great show Stay with us (laughs) That's a good show why is that considered a podcast? I don't think that's fair. Oh, oh, it's it isn't. And there's a show. Yeah, but it's like they, a real show. And they put it out of the podcast with a million dollar an episode budget or this more. This is a podcast. Yes. I, I'm not saying. I'm saying they're better. That's a better show. No, I, I'm with you. And we are a podcast, and they are a show. It happens to be over the radio waves. So okay, where were we? Wait, no, that's you were talking about. The shocking thing about Bill W was that he took acid. Oh, not only was he really into acid, he was into niacin. Yeah, I told you both of these things. You did not tell me this. For real, for real. For real, for real. For I knew real, this for stuff real. before 3, I even had met you. 3,000 milligrams of niacin a day. You're tuned in right now to Lying Podcast Host. <laughs> Today's guest. Well, then, Moj, I'm just surprised because those are two of my fun facts. In fact, we were just at a party. I was talking to one of our friends. He used to be a big booze hound, and I told him to take vitamin B3, which is niacin. It's supposed to help, in fact. Mil- I've done it. It does help. I'll tell you this. When you, I- you know what's hard? Not wanting to drink. But you don't booze. Well, I'll tell you this. Speaking of niacin, when I was in rehab, which was – I've been in rehab many times when I was a kid. I went to rehab a bunch. Um, That's when you want to go. <clears throat> when you're a kid? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Go when you're a kid. I went for the first time when I was, tw- when I was 12. Uh, 13. I was 13 years old. Bar mitzvah? Uh, in- bar mitzvah. So I was almost 14 years old when I got sent to rehab for the first time. Really? Yeah. Is that what you did with all the money you got? No. You don't know that story? No. Oh, what I did with all the money I got was – this is the true story. That's crazy you don't know this. This is pretty much the crux of my current uh, touring hour is this story. But um, do you want to hear the story? Of course. Tell the story? um, We're not going to cover the basics. This is episode two. Yeah, man. (laughs) Um, Act two. Act two. In which the boy has a bar mitzvah. Martin Luther. Open. Open bar mitzvah. I what was my bar mitzvah Can was. I get a laugh for open bar mitzvah. I mean, oh, an open bar mitzvah because I was an alcoholic, but I wasn't yet. I was uh, at that point. I was still there. Don't was still spoil some, it. Okay, well, here's the thing. I was um, acting. Act, <laughs> my bar mitzvah. My first of all, you know, my father didn't invite. He uh, refused to invite my mother to my bar mitzvah, and he did this convoluted explanation of how it would have made everybody there uncomfortable because he was religious and she wasn't. But he didn't, he didn't invite my mom. And at the time, I was so filled with weird religious shame that I kind of accepted it. You know, my dad, when my mom... But that's not normal. It's normal to not want a woman to, like, dance with it's the Torah. N- very much not normal, right. I would say. It's more normal to bring the woman. Yeah. 
and have her watch you sing with your voice all cracking and be all cute. <laughs> And Baruch, I don't know. Oh, no. I should go back. I should, I should take a step back. Because I think all we covered was sex, right, on the last episode. But, it was a big sex one. Yeah, but for those that didn't read my book, my parents are both deaf. Casher in the rye. Casher in the rye. Still waiting for a cease and desist from JD. I wish, man. It would I wish. Be a big publicist. Oh. We're a little past that point, I think, but yeah. Yeah. Um, my parents are both deaf. My yep. parents got sep- they divorced when I was a kid, very young, nine months old. My mom moved us from Brooklyn to New- to um, to Oakland, which is where I grew up, and um, and I was raised in Oakland. But my dad, as soon as my mom left, he <clears throat> he sort of plunged into becoming religious. And mm. so when I flew back to uh, my family, going back is very religious. My uh, my 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 father's mother was the first non-religious Jew in many many generations. I mean, mm. these were all Yiddish-speaking, straight up like five o goes west type of. Oh. You know what I mean? Like like legit. Like, were they Jewish? He had a baggy hat. Uh, he was Jewish. Yeah, five o was five o was a Jew. Yeah, and the and the uh, the cats were Cossacks. Oh. And you know that they stole that idea. That I've heard they stole that idea from Mouse. I was going to say from Mouse. I read Mouse. Right. I knew that was about the Jews. And Mouse was coming out, and, and then all of a sudden they heard that there was a Disney <coughs> version. They had pitched something to Disney, and all of a sudden they heard there was a Disney version coming out that was a lot less Listen, hardcore. Disney would never do anything against <laughs> the Jews. You take it back. When I was in... When I was in uh, Disney Land, I wanted to make a vine with Walt Disney about the Jews because he's holding hands with Mickey and he's putting his hand up and I wanted to be like, not a Jew in sight. (laughs) (laughs) But I couldn't do it. I was afraid of the Gestapo. Um, What's your sign? (laughs) He comes to life. Get over here, bitch. You you Jew lover. You get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Gorsh, Mickey. Do you need some help taking care of this here Jew lover? (laughs) Help me find his teeth in his blood. That's a tooth. (laughs) That's, that's Donald. Donald. <laughs> but yeah, it's funny that Disney wouldn't be in the Jews because they had a very prominent Jewish character, of course. Who? Scrooge McDuck. Well, the, the, he's a Scot. No, but he's a Jewish Scots Scot. Scots are also cheap. He would go swimming. I in, mean, in the stereotype. He would go swimming in piles no, of gold. That's Gargamel literally, is the car- that's cartoon That's literally, that's the bar mitzvah Jew. ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you don't let us see? Yeah, that's the inter sanctum. <laughs> and now to go back for a quiet cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to you later, everybody. Vault door. Goosh, 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 goosh. Goosh, goosh, You know, okay, goosh, I think... Goosh. Spinning the coins uh, brrr, brrr, I um. Now let's go work in that bank from Harry Potter. <laughs> Gringo, that that was so intense. <laughs> that was that was an anti-Semitic cartoon. That was so crazy. That was so. How did that slip by? I Aren't, mean, it was crazy. Bankers you know, with big noses that are short and greedy. Yeah. it's like come on. I'll show you the earphone. <laughs> 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 Right there's the way. Please sign this form in triplicate. Uh, you can follow me. Mm-hmm. Well, you're a comic, eh? Mm-hmm. What do you What do you think of Henny Omen? Mm-hmm. One of my favorites. Mm-hmm. I did like Seinfeld. If you'll follow me. Do you have the soup in a medium size? <laughs> Soup? Yeah, I, I don't quite want a cup. <laughs> I don't want quite a bowl. I don't quite want a bowl. I, I shouldn't have to pay for a large soup. Or if I don't want that much soup, I shouldn't be forced to get two small soups. <laughs> <laughs> 
What I'd like is a medium soup. It's a simple request. The reason that I'm saying that is I was in this kosher restaurant and I saw someone, this old Jewish couple, uh, this old Jewish couple I remember. Uh, uh, by the way, my family's all Jews. My brother's a rabbi. In I case got, you can't mm, tell, Moshe's Jewish. Very Jewish. <laughs> um, people sometimes say, like, I talk uh, too much about it. It's like, I, it's so big a part of my life. My brother's a rabbi. My family's all Hasidic Jews. Oh my gosh! So I was in this this kosher restaurant, and this old <laughs> Jewish couple, this old Jewish couple, they brought him a soup, like a cup of soup, or no, a bowl of soup, and then they brought somebody else a cup of soup. And the old guy goes, "Excuse me, you didn't tell me that there was a cup size available. You should have mentioned it before when I ordered the bowl of soup." And I was just like, "Oh man!" And it's like a. It was a rough. It was a rough day. Give me a medium soup. I want a medium soup. <laughs> Welcome to Gringotts. <laughs> no, I don't go in for all that magic stuff. Follow me. Oh, dude, I got bad blood pressure. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to do it, but I sure am. Uh, I'm right there, having uh, a fun time with stereotypes. What was crazy though, as a Jew, was <laughs> when we got the call on 9/11, um, not to go in, like. Oh my god. When you said not to go in, I thought you meant like not to get into something deep. No, we all You got... mean when you got the alert not to go in. Yeah, every Jew got a call that day and of course none of us called our friends and family who were not Jewish. Right. We we're gonna we couldn't. As is your way. We couldn't. Right. Some of us wanted to. Yeah. But we were unable to do it. Why? Because it's a it's a part of the agreement. <laughs> I mean, what are you gonna do? We at the meeting, at the money meeting. Yeah, yeah. There, there are rules that are... That's you spitting. Welcome to the money meeting. <laughs> the most distinguished man comes from beneath the coin. I saw... <laughs> Welcome to the money meeting. They're falling off of him. Now, look. Here, I actually have a theory about, about this kind of stuff. Like, like I've been... Um, criticized at points for like you know digging into these stereotypes in my jokes and stuff yeah but i i I think that that there's power in digging into the stereotypes because they are that ridiculous oh of course there was in fact a call well we're 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 making fun of a grotesque stereotype in the harry potter movie and, and I then, think it's helpful, though, because it shows in full repose how how ridiculous and right, absurd these right. th- people really believed that there were no Jews in the towers in New York City on 9-11. That the all of the building. Jews yeah, yeah, had yeah. been had been called that morning yeah. and not gone in and not called their friends that they'd been working with for decades because you, people believed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in fact, my my I, my stepsister's father. Does that make sense? I'm not going to try to follow that. Was killed in 9-11. And he's a Jew. Was a Jew. I mean, well, well, I, I don't know why I'm saying that. Of course there, there were there Jews. Was, uh, Evan, <clears throat> Evan Forsch was a, uh, is a New Yorker cartoonist that I worked with, Jewish, worked in the Trade Center. And, you know, it's it's so silly to say that he got the joke, but I saw him have good success with the joke. I guess I missed the call or something. Like uh-huh, he, he, totally. would, he would make that joke. So, and, it was, and it was funny. Okay, so my family's Jewish. Oh, so, so by the time I went back to see my father... Right, I was six years old, and I found and my father. I and I think you were six when I saw you my went daddy. From less than one, nine months to six. I think my dad came to visit us in Oakland when I was like four. Yes, and then when we were six, he won visitation rights. There was a horrible, bitter custody dispute. So we fly back home, like medium soup levels of dispute, like be almost that bad, <laughs> almost that bad. Um. That my father, I think, in the gulf that my that uh, of of emptiness that my mother left when she 
took my brother and I and herself out of his life. He filled with the Torah. He filled with the... The first four books of Moses. But what was interesting was he, my father, was a painter. He was an abstract abstract impressionist painter, deaf abstract impressionist painter. He was a real freako artist. He was a colorist uh, in the fashion industry, and he was a painter in the Lower East Side in in New York in the 60s and 70s. And he's deaf. And Marcel Marceau, they say, this is family legend, Marcel Marceau saw him doing some performance art invited him to come on the road with him to be his like understudy because he was so physically gifted my because he's a deaf man he was a funny guy and very charismatic very beautiful i always describe my dad as like a king whatever a king had a good king not like you know uh, somebody's uh, pliny the short or something like like one of the good ones you know like a yeah. charlemagne yeah, yeah yeah whatever they had my ha- my father had like a like a whisper of it he, uh. had, he had people worshiped him. he was regal he, people just love to worship him. There are certain people like that. Oh, sure. And, and and I don't mean people like you, Pete, who people are fans of. That's a different thing. There's a person, certain kind of personality where people want to worship them. They yes. want to worship at their feet. Yeah, that's just because of their personality. I don't think I've run into that at all. I don't. Oh, I've no. never known anybody. I don't mean me. My best friend growing up was like that. Like people. He was a obviously abstractionist. I, <laughs> no, he was a uh, he was a banker at Gringotts. Right this way. So we fl- so anyway, so he was this weird painter. I mean, he was a real freako. I mean, uh, you know, nudes and just like uh, like he. If I could show you a picture, I, I mean, you would see like, oh, this is like a cool beatnik type of dude. Yeah. <clears throat> when I flew back to New York, I'm six years old. You go alone? No, I went, yeah. Well, no, I took a pri- took a private jet. Well, I took the Jew jet. <laughs> Oh, that was free? Of course it was free. Uh-huh. I mean, it wasn't free. I mean, it's hard to know when you can take it because there's so many holidays. <laughs> That's right. We can't go on Shabbat. But um, <laughs> I flew back and my father had become incredibly religious. Uh. Uh, he had So my grandmother, his mother, had, was, uh, f- like I said, she, she was from a line of religious Jews going back hundreds of years. And my, grand, my great-grandfather, when he came over, um, left all of them in Hungary and came over and started making a living to try to bring them over. This is before the Holocaust, the thing, the, the made-up thing that we use from to get sympathy from the world. Uh, my my mother... <laughs> we're just doing the thing. I'm just leaning into it no, at this I point. Know, I'm sorry. I don't know how to respond. You shouldn't. No, but my point is, before the Holocaust, my great-grandfather came over, and <clears throat> while he was away, he was gone too long, and my grandmother decided fuck him fuck this i'm done and she was the first non-religious person in the family for a fucking generation what did she go to atheist atheist Just she's nothing. an american communist party member she was a civil rights activist she was a uh she became a humanist basically <clears throat> absolutely or, yeah. she became a jewish in- leftist intellectual co- literally communist yeah uh, american communist party member married my grandfather who was a yiddish uh, novelist who would write with shalom aleichem do you know the famous author shalom aleichem and there's uh, that's his name but anyway he, he was a famous author um he wrote something called some laughter some tears which if there's anything that more exactly uh illustrates the jewish historical experience yeah it's the name of that book yeah some, yeah, yeah. some laughter some tears that's what yeah. we do yeah <clears throat> so i kind of want to interject please i just want to talk about the role of pain and humor and, absolutely and the role of, uh, just just for no, two seconds no one could no one could be more i love this is my topic oh i thought you were gonna just make fun of me and be like no one could be more aware of pain and stuff like i haven't no. had like exorbitant amounts of pain in my life but like i'm just talking i was just talking about it at the, at the party we were just at where i was like you have a bad set 
that may, you need that bad set. The most mature thing I've done recently as a performer was we were taping shows, and the first show it was great for the TV show. They were great, but I wasn't like feeling magic. You know what I mean? Good. You know, you go home and you go, good. This is now, now in comes the, the tide of pain, and it is. It's painful. I know I'm being dramatic, but it's very painful. You're going to replay it a thou- every moment sure. a thousand times. You sleep, but your brain is churning. Like right. if it was a laptop. <laughs> right. And then you wake up and you have something to fight against, that pain. That's why the, the Jewish idea of a sense of humor and some laughter, some tears is perfect. I'm, and we're not necessarily just saying the Holocaust. This is, this is a hugely oppressed people throughout just period. I think that gallows humor is is one of the yeah. like the most powerful and important things. You know, the, the people that made it through and the Holocaust. Because you know what I was thinking about the Holocaust. Not not, not to put a pin in your pin that has been put in, but no, I want to. Please don't forget your story. You're talking about your father. And I'm you not going to. to. But uh, but the Holocaust has. They've made one too many Holocaust movies. It's almost become obscure cartoonish right at this point but they've almost yeah. dug into it too much because at this point like when i see a poster for a holocaust movie my instinct is like oh god they're doing this again mm. but there is so much like it, they there was joking in the camps so that people could make it through the most miserable po- points of existence can you imagine in fact i just took a moment to imagine any sort of terrible situation like that finding someone with humor I'm not saying there was a happy guy there. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying everyone's miserable or, you know, everybody's there. But there was one guy that had – how I, hungry you must be for some sort of – I swear to God, I've always fancied – I've always had a fantasy that I would have made it through – I swear to God, I would have made it through the Holocaust because I was funny. That, like, the German, you know, like, Viper would have been like, come here. I heard you are funny. Please to performing. And I would have been like – you know, taking my like my cap off with like a patch on it, put it in, put it in my hand, and been no. like, medium soup, please. <laughs> and they would have been like, oh, he is good. Come, come to the beer hall, and I would have somehow survived in that way. I didn't mean that. I just meant like with your comrades, with your people, like I adding know. some. I know. You mean you would go and like sell out? <laughs> I just mean like you know, there's this trope, and and it's true that people would make the way the way that you would make it sometimes is that someone would identify you had a skill if you were a silversmith then yeah. they would bring you in and be like well you can smith the silver it's it's uh in a much less extreme uh, and a fictional circumstance it's shawshank redemption when he finds out he can do his taxes correct exactly yeah. so i've always had this fantasy <clears throat> that i would like you know be performing in front of Buddy, like, I, i'm the same way mine wasn't the holocaust mine is war I, yeah. w- I would have survived war because people would have looked out for me because I was I was the guy at the end of the day. I'm like, and bullets are flying. I'm like, what's you? And then comes Big Tony and he's got a fucking guy's leg on his arm and he's running like I've never seen him run before. Everyone's that's dying. That, that, that's Pete. He's so funny, man. Pete, this technology doesn't exist yet, but in 60 years. If they ever create a way to make a radio show not on the radio, yeah. or some sort of information superhighway, yeah. I really think you should look into that. I promise I will. Gone without me. But it's so funny because that that is a real fantasy that I've never thought about or, or talked about publicly is the idea that people – like it kind of – this is completely different from the Holocaust thing, but it, it's almost like you make yourself useful to your pack. You right. know what I mean? Right. 
that exactly. that was my fantasy. Was I was like, if I'm funny, and then the the extent of that fantasy is I'm wounded, and they'll go back for me because I told those funny jokes. Well, I think about it like in terms of prison. Like, how would I make it through prison? I've always had that that thought. Me how too? would I make it through prison? And I think the way that you and I would make it through prison is through talent. There has to be. They they would want us around. Right. I hope. I hope. They, you know, through talent or through like really t- like the butthole, like a tight. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh no! <laughs> but I think I... we'd make it. You're white. So you you could join the white people. This is my great fan. My great. Uh, can I actually say it's yeah. funny that you say that? That is one of my biggest fears. Is the prison? First of all, prison is so fucked. I, I'm not just saying that to be like, oh, Pete's a good guy. He sees that prison is a bad place. I just think the American prison system is so weird. It's oh, this, it's slavery. It's this weird and and the the rape and all that sort of stuff. We just did a bunch of uh, prison things on the show, and we were oh really careful. It's where I'm a lawyer. I'm talking about oh, cli- it's a, clients sketches. through the glass. They're mm-hmm. sketches. And I was like, let's stay away from rape just as a thing. First of all, rape is you know not great for anybody. But then prison rape. Wait, say, say that again. Rape, rape is not great for anybody. You've heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back to, what was the name of the show? Going, Going, Gandhi. This is Going, Going, Gandhi. Pete Holmes was just telling us that rape it's, was not good for anybody. Act two. Act one. I don't want to make any rape puns. You can pick them out. <laughs> <I don't, laughs> this, this is an edit, editable. I don't want to edit it. We'll make Aristotle. I mean, who the fuck it. is Aristotle? And in fact, look up Aristotle, bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's fantastic. Uh, but the the whole uh, the the way that we know when people are like, and now that fucking piece of shit's gonna go to prison and he's gonna get raped, like the delight in that sort of right. hellish thing, uh, and and sure. But I always think about the the one the chance that somebody's innocent and they're in there, and it's not just like sitting in your cell or whatever. It's I don't I don't want to get it's, it's, it's not hard a, to get it's into not a, this. It's not. Oh yeah, we don't have but to. No, please go. I ahead. have so many thoughts. Please about say, the prison say system. your thoughts. I just don't know. We'll circle back. I, I feel a little out of my depth, but I would love to hear your thoughts. The prison system is slavery, straight up. What do you mean? The prison system is, you know, okay, this is, we're really tangential. Is that okay here? Yeah. Do you want me to write anything down? Uh, it doesn't matter to for me. For your purposes, I'm, I'm happy dad. To come, I'm happy to come back. The point is, it. you know how, like, these white racists in... in, in oh, that was my fear. Yeah. Is oh, that oh, I would please. have to go to the white racists. Oh, you would? That I would be so afraid for my life that all of a sudden I'm getting a fucking tattoo. The What is it? 44 or 88? Oh, 88. Is right. H.H. Heil, Heil Hitler. Say that again? The 88, if you see a white supremacist or an, if you see someone with 88 on their uh-huh. arm. What did I, where did I get this? Some no, no. What did you just say, though? What? Did you just... I said that the H.H. stands for hot. What? How? How? Hal Hitler. <laughs> Hi, Hal Hitler here. And thank you for tuning in to Going Going Gandhi. I'm your host. I'm your host, Hal Hitler. <laughs> Do you need a place to put your money away but are tired of going to that pit of Jewish vipers over at Gringotts? Well, come on down to Hal Hitler's Credit Union. Hal Hitler's, where we'll never treat you like a Nazi. <laughs> Unless, of course, you're a Jew. Um, no, no. Okay, so please, yeah, you're slavery. I'm interested. Oh, okay. Like, okay, you know this, like, this, this, this sentiment is like when people go like, okay, yeah, man, to black America. Get, get over it. That was then. This is now. Get over it. You, you know that kind yeah. of sentiment? I was thinking about this the other day. So there was slavery, right? 
We had slavery. Then, after slavery, there was like a four-year reconstruction period where things were, looked weirdly good. But then it just plunged right back into segregation. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So you had slavery, then buttressed right up against it was segregation, which ended in what, I don't know, 60, 65, 60, I don't know exactly, but let's right, say. Right. Then you had the 70s. Then in the 80s, you had the war on drugs, which is where they they just reconstituted the messaging so that they could find another way to to make black Americans be enslaved and oppressed and separate from society. Mm-hmm. So when you say get over it, you're really just like talking about the 70s or like a year or not at all. And you know what? People were trying to have a good time in the 70s, you know? They were like in, in bell bot. That was time for to wear bell bottoms and celebrate. You're saying the 70s was the only time when we didn't have a repackaged slavery thing. My happening. thing is really I'm trying it, I, trying to be a little bit funny about it, but in, in fact when you think about it like that, yeah. that it went slavery, segregation, war on drugs. Yeah. There's never been a time to get over it. Yes. So you know that more than 70 – I think it's something like but 70%. But th- there were prisons in the 70s and there was a – But they didn't have the war on drugs. Uh, and the war on drugs is when they reconstituted the law so that we could begin to lock away every single person that violated a drug. It's basically just a, a gussied up way to lock black men away. Yeah. Do you know 70% of black males will be in jail at some point in their life? 70%? Look it up, Aristotle. Let's see if I'm right. I know I just sounded like an infomercial. 70%? That's right, Pete. 70%. That's... So how do you, the question becomes, how do you stay out of prison? <laughs> but no. No, I don't know. That was racist. Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking made a reappearance. I don't know why we're talking about this. It's too intense. But it's. Tr- I really believe that no, the, it's good the, criminal, to talk about. the criminal justice system is a form of, of new slavery l- dressed up to look like justice so that everybody can celebrate and, cl- and bang the pots you know, as we lock away an entire generation of people. Right. And I'm also familiar with the – this is a common uh, saying I believe is like you got to put someone in the prisons. Like they keep building the prisons. <laughs> They keep building the prisons because they've changed the laws to lock people away for forever. And you're going to put people in those prisons and find ways to put people in those prisons. Absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, we're, we're, anyway. So my dad moved to. (laughs) So then you're saying once they're in there, when people say slavery, typically you think that they're being used for work or something. And that, even I thought when maybe you were going to take it there. Even when they're not being used for work. And in some prisons they are. I just saw this documentary about Angola. It's called Life on the Farm. And Angola is the largest prison in Louisiana. It's like a fucking city. Mm. And they take them out into the field in Louisiana. And the prison guards are on horseback with weapons as these prisoners sit and till the fields. In the south. That doesn't remind me of anything. <laughs> no. I mean, it's fucking crazy. Whoa. That's right? a documentary? Yeah. Fuck. So when... Like, people are constantly being locked up who yeah. did nothing wrong. Constantly. Who, who didn't even violate drug laws. They just violated the, the racial profiling that looks at certain people and says they must be involved in drugs in some way. Hmm. So anyway, I, don't, I mean, this is, I don't even know if this is compelling, but I definitely believe no, it. No, it is compelling. I'm compelled. Don't. Here's why I think that the. Don't. <laughs> Don't do this, Hal Hitler. <laughs> we had some huge laughs up top. I know, and now we're delving. No, no, this. no. You've earned it. Oh, good. That's very interesting. I just don't. Here's what I was going to say: is I there? There is a part of the human brain psychologically that can't handle when we're looking at injustice on such a huge scale. You know what I mean? Right. There's lots of things in this way. We just can't 
handled them. It's kind of like childbirth. We've talked about this on the show before, where childbirth is so traumatic and painful. One of the woman, the job of the woman brain, female brain. The woman brain. No, it's called woman brain. The woman brain. You know, the smaller woman brain. Going, going, gone is back. (laughs) (laughs) The wonderful, glorious. Now I have to like make it clear that I was joking. The female brain has a thing in it that's unique, I believe, to the female brain that erases the trauma of childbirth. Is that true? Oh, the physical trauma of childbirth? Yes. Oh, that's interesting. Will help you forget it. I can believe that. But then, like, similarly, when we get into big conspiracies and stuff, actually, there was they did this 9-11 conspiracy on PBS. And the thing that made it interesting was, one, that it was on PBS, but two, that the third act, act three, act was three. about why people won't accept it. Why people won't accept it. Why you won't. Sign seal delivered. That's not mine. <laughs> it was a Stevie Wonder reference. I like that. Yeah, that was not bad. Sign deal delivered. That's, That's not mine. mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, won't accept the trauma of childbirth. Well, but, but it also won't accept the enormity. Something what you're saying when you say seventy percent of a black of black men will be in prison. I go, what do we do? And then you, I can feel your my brain, not necessarily right now, but go like, let's just shovel some snow on that. Well, similarly, you can say the same thing about factory farming. You can say the same thing about a lot of huge right. issues. Certainly human beings come first, and that is way different from factory farming. I'm just saying there's a lot of things we're turning a blind eye to. I understand And your brain it, is built to shovel snow. No, I 100%. You know, the... Um, <laughs> Sign, seal, deliver. That's, that's not, not mine. mine. <laughs> the... The... <laughs> the... Uh, <laughs> Ram Dass was talking about this thing um, where if you were to walk through the world and experience everybody's trauma, all everybody's pain and, and misery and confusion of every individual. Yes. You, you're my friend, Pete, so I know some of your pain. Yeah. And you know a little bit of mine. Yes. If you were to walk around experiencing everybody's trauma and the way that you experience that with your inner circle, it would it would break you it would yeah. it would overwhelm and destroy you and so people's response is to shut off to everybody but the people in their small circle their friends their family right. the people that are surrounding them those are the people we can be have an open heart to mm. and everybody around us but almost by nature of our the terror that we experience of what it would be like to engage with those people we shut them out we, they become less than human right and the buddha i'm not a buddhist but this is ram das is the buddha the buddha uh, who the also Buddha. was a huge pervert. We'll be right back on Going Going Gandhi. No, but the Buddha, uh, you know, he's got that smile on his face. That, that Asian Buddha, the fat one. Yeah, I love the fat Buddha. So that smile, they call it the smile of infinite compassion. So it's a smile that, because uh, the, the Buddha, you know, the uh, yep. paradigmatic uber man, uber mensch, to, yeah. you know. He'll give you a ride anywhere. He will open his heart to your pain. Yeah. He will walk through the world with a with a, a conscious decision to open himself to your pain, to everybody's Can pain. Can I give you something? Give it. Um, two things. I'm going to actually write it down because I've been kind of spacey lately. I'm, I love what you just said. It's fantastic. And it's something that I think about a lot. One is that the human condition, the mammal in all of us that wants what's best for us now mm-hmm. and uh, what's good for our clan and our people 
uh, and to be inward and to understand that reason. Like, we got to put us first. We got to put us first. That's like in our, that's in our DNA, basically. That's like how we've survived all this time. When you get people like the Buddha and people like Christ, Jesus. Uh, Christ, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> you walk through this world with the Christ, Jesus on your mind with the smile of infinite compassion upon your face. You can empty your own vessel and intake other people's pain and it will be transmogrified into the blood of Christ in that healing water. Wait, when we take in the pain of our neighbor, <laughs> I don't know what I just said. <laughs> it'll turn into the blood of Christ. I, while I was doing it, I was freaking out that I was going to drop the ball in the middle of the pit, no. and then I was getting impressed that I wasn't dropping it, but then that would distract me, which is very Buddhist because when you're meditating and you ah. get distracted by the things that you're you're impressed, impressive. Yeah, anyway, I dropped it. Nope. No, I Bur- loved it. Buddha. Buddha. Siddhartha. Welcome back. We're back on Going Going Gandhi. To Siddhartha and Nancy. So Christ, you were saying. Christ was uh, the guy that came and said, like, let's look at the big picture. Let's love your neighbor, love your enemy, all that sort of stuff. Right. Was outward. It doesn't really make sense. It doesn't have a good instant return that protects us and clothes us and sheltered us to love your neighbor. When when the Romans are like, uh, when there's a a verse, a parable Christ tells, where he's like, if a Roman comes up to you and wants your uh, walking stick, give him your cloak as well. And these were Romans. Romans that were just like fucking murdering these people, like right. straight up. So it's like completely against our programming. Deny our programming, true detective. Yeah. The other one, talking about seeing transgressions and Buddha seeing people and seeing their pain and letting in their pain. Here's, I don't think you thought I was going to go here. I think Sherlock is uh, the BBC Sherlock. Sure. Benny Cumberbatch is a Christ figure. I think it's pretty obvious in the way that he, you know, dies and, you know, there's another season after that. I'm not spoiling anything. So obviously he comes back. But uh, beyond that, he sees your transgressions. When I look at you and I go, well, obviously, by the way that you scratch your nose right then, you're obviously a compulsive masturbator. Mm-hmm. But he's a sociopath, so he doesn't judge them. So right. that's like a type of grace. I see your pain. I see, And then there's the law. And this is something uh, Rob Bell said. We were talking about this. The law, the Scotland, Scotland Yard, are trying to catch the criminals. That's the Sanhedrin. And he's, and he's Jesus. And he's like, ugh, he's working with them, but he's so ahead of them. Well, Okay, I have a couple of things to say. But he lets in humanity. Right, that's Which is what no one does. Yeah, no, I mean, that's really interesting. My brother right now, the rabbi, is also a PhD student at UC Berkeley Law. Mm. So he's getting a doctorate in law. And his basic uh, research, uh, what he's writing his thesis on, is the difference between religious and secular law. Now, say what you will about the, the failings and trappings of religion. What religious law is obsessed with is justice. Mm. It's obsessed with r- being right, righteousness, even when that righteousness is off off kilter, you know, abortion, homosexuality. It's still they're obsessed with what's the right thing. It's going for something good. The Western Western law is obsessed. Its main obsession is with victory. Mm. Uh, it's not justice. We're not really after search for the truth, but in fact, after search for winning, uh, winning the case. We bono who benefits, but we, we gives a shit. <laughs> but, you know, but you know, but you know that. You know that it's true. You know, like law, the law doesn't work try, uh, in an obsess- obsessive quest for justice and righteousness. Yeah. The law work because we all know there are laws that don't have anything to do with righteousness. You know what right. I mean? They just have to do with with vi- victory. Right. The other thing I was going to say is um, there's this very st- chilling passage from Viktor Frankl's um, um, Man's Search for Meaning, which is. Part, uh, it's a book. Do you know that book? Oh, Man's Search for Meaning, the Holocaust Survivor. It's a Holocaust, but half of it is a Holocaust memoir, half of it is a psychological textbook or whatever. Mm-hmm. And in 
in what were, you were just talking about, that Christ-like kind of like open yourself to everybody's pain, right. accept people for what they are, love people, and, and, and thrive in that way, which is also a very AA kind of, uh, uh-huh. you know... A, Mentality? St- yeah, structure or whatever. Yeah. It's like fi- help yourself through helping others. Frankel in that book says, um, the, the, the scary thing that we all, all of us who made it through the camps know is that the best of us perished in the camps. The mm-hmm. best people that entered, the compassionate loving people that entered that tried to help people they were all killed because they tried to help people Ugh. it was the selfish greedy people that were willing to kick other their comrades into the into the dirt to get that next heel of bread were the ones that were able to survive an environment like the camp and you know what's funny is that just seems like an analogy for all of us you know what i mean Absolutely. Like I, I don't think i'm really being that breakthrough in saying that it's like that's who's thriving a lot of the time, but also there are, there is compassion as well. That is, that is a terrifying. It's it's terrible thought. The best of us died in the camp. It's, it's very, terrible. Very sad. I mean, it's a terrible passage. Yeah, but anyway, my dad. Really interesting, though. I, I was going to say that like romantic love is often the only way that we have. That's our great experiment, right? In being like, I'm going to let you in. And that's why it hurts us so badly when it doesn't work and when we let people in and all that sort of stuff. But, like, that is, you know, like, this is going to sound kind of sappy, but, like, sometimes when I'm kissing somebody, this is so fucking weird, but who cares? What I'll think is not, like, ooh, tits and vagina. That doesn't turn me on as ugh, much as ooh, as, pecs and dick. Is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm opening up. That was so I know. good. That was so I good. had to. But it, it, I mean, it, it's not actually gender specific. It's just that, like, this person is here and they're alive at the same time. And then, like, you actually, it's it can be meditative. And this isn't always. I've kissed somebody and just been like, oh, yeah. this is how we do it. You know, just oh, thinking ever... about coming or just trying to, like, oh, yeah. have some sex or whatever. Have you ever had that kiss? This is a bad. There's a, there's a worse kiss than the one you're describing. Way yeah. worse. What's that? It's the flail my tongue around until we can start having sex. Yeah. Time waster kiss. It's like... It's a non-kiss. Yeah. Do I have to do this until the weekend? I mean, that's a bad feeling. Right, It's so transaction. You're just like... Yeah, yeah. Like, are we getting this over with? Yeah, yeah it's but there just it can mashing be something. Tongues together. Something I've noticed. I've been talking with my friend David about this, which is like when he he does free diving, right? Where he uh, realizes that when you're going down, and that's just with a snorkel, that's as opposed to scuba diving. You just go down and you start to panic. You think you're out of water, and he realized that if you just calm down and deny your instinct to go back up, you'll realize you have, like, another lung is basically what he called it. He's like, you have another lung. So there's this deliberate sort of quieting in that moment. And I've been noticing that with energy. Like, I go out to meals, and I'm so tired, and I'm so, like, distracted and stuff. And then you can go, like, I think I'm just tired and distracted because I'm not calming myself down a little bit. Like, calm down. It's in you. You have another lung. Relax. Sometimes you're tired. But I mean, like, a lot of the times I'm tired because I'm like, I have radio in the morning. So, Mm -hmm. like, I'll start panicking. And then you lose that extra lung of air. Going back to the kissing thing is you kiss and you go, like, this is a thing. Like, I'm not – people who listen to the show know I am no expert and it's okay. You can vapor smoke into the mic. Don't uh, ruin the illusion. Uh, you can smoke that hookah with the caterpillar into the mic. But, oh, fuck, what was I saying? When you're kissing someone and you have that other lung, but... Yeah, but it was something else. 
dick on a bread. You know, just dick on bread. You know what I mean? Just dick on bread. I don't know what you mean. Just like a bear's dick. Oh, on bread. <laughs> <laughs> I think we were talking about connection. Yeah, going kissing. there. There can be a moment where you go, "Oh, quantum physics." That's what I was saying. Was like when Stephen Hawking actually goes back to him. This is going to be bull- bullshit and butchered and terrible. Come on, bring but it. he's saying when we're not in a room, when we're in a room that's not being observed, every possible reality is happening in that room because it's not being observed. And then as soon as you're like looking at it again, it resumes like its natural order and whatnot. And then like again, butchered. But, like, every time a decision is made, there's all these parallel universes, the multiverse theory. Right. So there's a universe, I went surfing today, where I was eaten by a shark. But there's also a universe where an eagle, when we were walking out from the parking lot, flew down and took out both of my eyeballs. Like, absurd things also could happen in these multiverses. But then, just to make it a little bit more normal, that means there's a multiverse where, like, I died, or there's a multiverse where the person I'm kissing didn't live. We are here together in this multiverse, if this is true. What a unique, unbelievable matching of patterns and circumstances that we've uh, skied down a mountain, and we're here together? Yeah, there's a multiverse where you just didn't meet that night. That's what I'm saying. Something so, uh, just a hair off, and I didn't... But we're in this one. Right. What the fuck? That's what, you know, dicks, pecs, and that gets me right. really going. It's a powerful idea because, and, and this I think can lead us back to. I love dicks and, dicks and pecs. <laughs> <laughs> this can lead us back to our original um, episode, which is since our episode, I've been in a relationship now, yeah. a monogamous relationship. Monog, first time in your life. First time in my life for a in year. In your life. In my life. For a year and a half, more than a year and a half. Wow. And Do you say who it's with? Yeah, Natasha Leggero. Ooh, <laughs> you do it. <laughs> but it's like I have these experiences where there were there were sensations that I knew intellectually were involved in an intimacy. Like if you had told me, oh well, intimacy is about like partnership, or mm-hmm. but they never could sink from my brain into my heart. You know, there's this saying like the the the, the the furthest distance in the universe is the 12 inches from your brain to your heart. Hmm. You know what I mean? I've never heard that, but that's great. That's great. Uh, and it's like, I, I would go like, oh, this is one of those things. You know, I, I'm connecting to the person that I am engaged in sex love with. Yeah. You know, as opposed to the mashing tongues together, transactional, uh, just, or even I find you pleasant, but. You know, most of the time it was that. It wasn't always just like horrible, you know, uh, meaningless connections. But yeah, sure. But sometimes it was just like, this is a cool person who I fuck. Right. And then it becomes this other thing. This like, okay, this is what they meant. Oh, okay, I had a bad day. And I can say I had a bad day. Right. Now, I'm not a big, even to this day, and I don't think Natasha would be too forlorn to hear this. I'm not a romantic and I'm not I, – I don't really see it in the cards for me to be like a romantic. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I, I don't think like, you know, I, there's magic to love I mean, you, other than the magic you're talking about, which is like that you happen to find this, this person who you can be around, mm-hmm. you know. But to experience those things is like a vi- – it's not that it feels like magical and, and mystical. It's that it feels like different. Like I, mm. like I, it was not promised to me, and and that's really what I started to feel like at the end of our, at the end of my life end, but at the end of that cycle of my life as a chronically fuck single guy. person fuck guy, was like 
if I don't find a way to get off of this cycle, I won't ever experience the other thing because it's becoming so ingrained and and habitual behaviorally. If I don't find it, it's not going to happen. That's interesting. That's a real risk that we run in all sorts of different ways, not just sexually. Because I notice that, uh, you know, I'll I'll be hanging out with a girl that I uh, see. And um, if I have been too autonomous, just like, no, I go home... Like, here's the thing. Uh, so I, I see a girl long distance, so it, it, that's what's happening. I don't know how to classify that. Um, yeah, that's how you classify it. It's a long yeah. distance thing. But she, she was just visiting. And then, like, she came to a taping. And then when I'm leaving, uh, I normally listen to The National. I just love The National. It's very chill, and that's a good thing to listen to. And she wanted to listen to this other thing. Some of her friends were there, too. Completely reasonable that you don't want to listen to The National with your other two girlfriends. Right. But, like, and it didn't bother me. But it's this weird moment where you're like, right. hey, wait, hey, wait, I have it. I listen to the national. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> Beyond that, Pete, when you had told me, if you had told me, if I had described that sensation to you before I was in a relationship, yeah. it's, it's not just that I would go like, I don't want to be a guy that has to like ask permission to listen to the national. I would be physically I would get the physical chills thinking about the idea yeah. of like a world. calling my girl a world where I call my girlfriend and say, "Hey, me and Pete are going to go get dinner tonight." Okay? Yeah. It's just like, ugh, pathetic, disgust. It would like yeah. literally send chills down my spine. And it, a lot of it is because my mother, uh, my mom w- was this person that li- I describe in the book as she lived on top of my chest my yeah. entire childhood. She literally was like she if she could have been inside of my body like manipulating it hmm. for me, she would have. That's how you know smothering she was so mm-hmm. the idea of like having another another woman, one and electing ele- yeah. you inherited that first one exactly and then electing to build another prison right not only did i inherit her i also got rid of it in, yeah you know you, know, you broke out i was also able to escape from the prison and then you go into another uh prison not all relationships are prison you know understand but like you're you were afraid of checking in and being like hello you have three square meals a day and a warm bed. <laughs> like that's good enough for me. No, absolutely. It's like you jump over the 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 the, the citadel, the the, the yeah. wall, yeah. the truncheon wall of the prison that you were born into, and you run across the field. Stop. Catch your breath. Dig into the river, make a clay brick, and start laying them down for the truncheon walls to the one that you're building for yourself. Oh, I mean, that's <laughs> my Jesus. But that is that is. A hundred percent what I want to be talking about this show every day. I think about that all the time. Right. And I look, you know, to be honest, like I, in the freedom of being single, you get to look around a lot and go like, what is happening? You know, I say it sometimes as the in-flight menu. What are the things that are just kind of expected of you? But then if you can go into something loving because with your eyes open – as opposed to making that brick out of fear or familiarity or some sort of Stockholm syndrome where you're like, I, I like it better on the inside. Deal with it on the outside a little bit. Get your ass kicked a little bit and then and then choose to go in. And when I say with your eyes open, I really believe in complete and open honesty with people. As I know, they, if you're going to date, and this is a new thing for me, but like, Here's everything. I'm not going right. to... Here's one is I'm not going to pretend that I'm not attracted to that beautiful woman or something. It doesn't mean I'm going to have sex with her or anything, but I really value that in a relationship where you can just be like, 
that's obviously an attractive person. That's what I think, I, I mentioned this a lot, but those vacation movies where Chevy Chase is always like, I'm going to go for a swim. And there's like a hot bikini person. And he's like, <laughs> why, why right. is that one of the prison rules? I, I'm not saying you fuck them. I know I do that a lot. Where but I'm why like, not? I know. And that's really the question, right? It's like, well, then now we're getting into the 60s hippie and we're going to be asked to apprentice with your dad. But I'm with you. I'm just saying, like, if it's true, and 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 look, like, we're just, <laughs> you, your tongue a, is falling out of like the wolf's mouth. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's, hey. in a, he's in a pretend thing. What's that, Chevy? Chevy in that situation is in a pretend thing. He's that, not fucking her. You mean he's just we, thinking about her? But we made up, and that I would wager is almost worse to have him just kind of being like, not worse, but you know what I mean. A similar type of gross bad for him to be like, (laughs) and then like in bed with his wife later, just like, oh, "Oh." man. I'm not saying you should fuck that person, but I am saying it's interesting that we make this, make these rules and then kill ourselves over them. Yeah, it is. And it's also, it's also like, I mean, I guess the idea is not to, to build the brick at all, to say that there's freedom in in in, right. in my connection with this human being, I found freedom. I found partnership. I found intimacy. Yeah. Love, all that stuff. That's that's actually freedom, and as opposed to thinking of love as taking on a series of you know a, a yoke of strictures. Yeah, it's more like taking on a partner that, that, to walk with. That's a partner to walk with, as opposed to remember motion, no hoagies. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean. That said, which I'm not saying that's all women. I'm saying some men make a woman be that way to them, and some men absolutely some women make. Make a man be that way to them. And every person either feels that way on some level about love. It's like, oh, God, they're t- you know, they own a part of my... That's what I was terrified of, yeah. is that another person would own a part of me, they, that I would owe them a part of my energetic self. Right. And my mother owned all of that when I was growing mm. up. So if an, another person owns that for me, I owe them something. Like a cosigner. Yeah, I, that just fucking terrified me. It still makes me, I completely relate. I, I, it makes me nauseous. And I think it might be because of my relationship with my mother as well. Whereas I, I was like, why would I? I fantasize about that whole thing. It's like, can't, like the idea is like, let's be committed. Let's just be committed to each other. I, like all that sort of extra stuff on the other side of it just seems stupid. Yeah, and that said... There's not a day that goes by that I don't say to myself, ah, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if this is, yeah, you know, the world that I, I mean, you know, maybe I was meant to be single. Yeah. I, I, and I love being in this relationship, but it's also like, it's a whole other thing. And I don't, I don't have a Pollyanna view on love at all. I don't feel like love has fulfilled me or has fundamentally made me a, 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 a different person mm. i think maybe i've had a fuller experience but as a of myself as a person but that's mainly because my experience on the other side was so one-sided i was such a single guy i was not just at the very end sex was almost a lot of the time it became almost transactional mm. you know what i mean like it would be it would be like i would go out go to a show and then at the end of the night like hook up with someone i mean it was it just felt very yeah. non-connective so obviously being in a loving situation is much more connected. But it's also great that you can be in that loving situation and say without any sort of concern or fear. It'd be like, and every day, and I know that you communicate about that because you are the fuck guy. You know what I mean? You're the domesticated wolf. But it's very nice. Not wolf. You know what I mean? But it's nice. I, that's it's, right. It's nice for the wolf occasionally to be like, you know. Uh, I used to be a wolf, you know. Yeah. Back before I was a dachshund. Yeah. I really, uh, I, I, every once in a while, you know, I love it here, but... Uh, <laughs> 
I do, I do, I, I do miss yelling at the moon. <laughs> I, I, the wolf looks up. Oh, Lassie, I, I just can I have I ever told you about my life as a wolf? Every fucking day, yeah. Wolfie. Well, just I, if I could, I would. Pray, you, you know what pray is? <laughs> oh man, there was some good pray that night. Oh my mama mia! <laughs> <laughs> I used to eviscerate the rabbits. If you there know was, what I mean. There was a great New Yorker cartoon by Bruce Eric Kaplan where there's a lion and a woman. I I used to rip his style off a lot. Like I just thought it was so funny, and I love arguments between two things. Like uh, I drew one where it was a woman and a pirate, and he has a, a treasure map, and she's pointing to her heart, and she's saying, "I'm more interested in what's buried in here." Uh-huh. Like I like that sort of stuff. Like why is she with a pirate? All that sort of stuff. So he had one where he was. It's a woman with a lion, and it's like a real big lion. It's lying on the floor. It's not like in a suit. It's a lion, and she's saying like something to the effect of like. Do you know how that makes me feel when you say your years in the jungle were the best of your life? That's that's literally what we're doing. I'm going to get that cartoon for you, but what are you going to do? I'm going to order a medium soup. <laughs> oh, oh, God. You don't, no, no. I love the bread. I love the bread. <laughs> the bread's good. Uh, the olives in it. It's got the olives in there, and, <laughs> and then we cuddle, and there's the fire. But, oh, God, I look at that. Oh, a gazelle. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Some, you tasted gazelle. They'd look at you, but they wouldn't really be looking at you. Yeah. You know what I mean? They, they heard a snap. Because that always they be. T- oh, the way their neck. I still can remember the way that the fold. In the neck, as they would turn the neck suddenly, as if as if to say, "You want a bite of this?" <laughs> Sometimes I'd snap a twig just just to get the turn, just to see that neck turn. I could have done it without the turn, but I like the game. But but, honey, I love you. I love the way. But you I turn. love you. I, I love, love the way I, you I, turn. This is better, you know. <laughs> and you know what? I think what we're saying is there are things that are better, but it's also okay to be like, absolutely. I love that moon. I love that moon. <laughs> yeah. but, I, but I don't go to the moon anymore. Well, Stay on Earth. since we've uh, had our talk, I had my my time, uh, you know, whoring it up. And it's I almost mean like me. I gave that to you. You did give it to me. I feel a like bit. on some psychic level, but I gave it to you. But we had a weird thing where we go to meals now, and this was a while ago, but we would go to meals and I would tell you like like a sex story, and then you would tell me a story about some sort of casserole. <laughs> about some sort of what? <laughs> casserole. I was joking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but mwah, Natasha makes the best tuna casserole. <laughs> That's a wonderful group sex story, Pete. But mwah, with a little bit of cream of mushroom soup and the ooh, it's the French onions that tie the whole thing together. I miss that moon, Pete. I miss the moon, Pete. But it was a roll. It was a weird roll. Now I never went really hard at it, but I, I was proud to like kind of try and. You know, do that a little bit more. Sure. Have sex with people that I wasn't in a relationship with. That was a really big deal for yeah. me. But then, you know, I've also come around. Like, I think that's what people do in a sense that you start to realize that, like, there is a reason why people get married five times. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. There's, yeah, yeah. There's also a reason why people get divorced. You know what I mean? And they, or break up with people. But there's also a reason. We're drawn to it for one reason or another. It's like one of our favorite things to do. Yeah. As a group. Is to to connect to to each other. Connect to one person, and that goes back to Buddha's smile. It's like, tell me all your shit. I'll tell you all my shit, and you will see it and love me, and I'll see yours, and you'll love me, and then the tuna casserole, and then we'll have casserole forever. And And you know what we'll do? We'll take out that casserole once a month, and we'll form it into a little circle. We'll put it on the wall, and it'll be our moon. Oh my god! It'll be our moon. (laughs) 
This is NPR's Going Going Gandhi. Really good. <laughs> really special. Here's a couple things. That, well, let's finish the dad story. Oh, I, I don't quite know what I was... I knew. Oh, Jewish. Bar Mitzvah. Dad, six years old. So he became religious. Jet. So when my mom left, he put away his paints. Has anyone ever taken the, the black magazine, Jet Magazine, and made Jew magazine? I don't think so. But Jews, since we run the media, probably could. <laughs> I don't know. That was a dumb no, one. But I, I used to say that. I, I like used to that. say that in black clubs. I used to say, uh, of course, Jews, you know, run the media. My first two magazines were Jet and Ebony. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, so you visit your dad. You're six years old. He's and I would go back old. home, and I found that my dad, in my absence, had joined up with, up with a group of Hasidic Jews yep. known as the Satmar Hasidim, who are... The modest um, yahoos. No, they're like... They make modest yahoo look like um, like uh, like Trotsky. Mm, I mean, what I'm saying is, mm. compared to... Mo- they're, Modest, in, they're into it. They're way into they don't it. Take, the, they don't take freestyle breaks. They're the most extreme <laughs> group of Hasidic Jews. Now, really? my dad wasn't really... Pers- he, actually, he was. He, this is a very interesting story. Mm. It's not my story. It's my brother's. So we were raised in this Hasidic world six weeks a year. So the, most of the year would be secular kids in California. In summer vacation, we would fly back home and become Hasidic Jews for six weeks a year. And it was, like, terrible. And the kids in my neighborhood spoke Yiddish as a first language. Yiddish. I have family that is third generation American who speak with Eastern European accents when they speak English. I, I swear to God. Wow. My my cousin Leibish. Yahweh. Leibish. 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 And Shmilu. Shmilu? These are my cousins. Is he a little guy? Is that a nickname? No. Just a Shmir Shmilu. Just a small little Leibish was actually small. Leibish and Shmilu. Actually, this is. I want to tell you a few things about this. Uh huh. Shmulu, one time when my father was dying, we, we were in the hospital room together and uh, we were talking. We never really talked as adults. And it was just me and Shmulu. <laughs> me and Shmulu. <laughs> Thursdays with Maury or whatever. And then Wednesdays with, with Shmulu. <laughs> um, and he turned to me and he goes, <laughs> He goes, You're so lucky. I'm like, Why? He's like, You can do it whatever you want. I'm like, What do you mean? He goes, I always wanted to be a lawyer. And I was like, uh, be a lawyer. He's like, I could never be a lawyer. His, he was so religious that his family would have been ashamed of him and cut him off if he had become a lawyer. Yeah. Jews like being lawyers. And Jewish parents typically like it when their, their kids. Son. This is how religious this guy, there would never be You're a. You're in Harvard Law? There wouldn't. <laughs> I swear to God. How dare you? You're going to be some lawyer in, yeah. the, in, in, in the, the secular world? Some lawyer? Yeah. There's only one thing in that level of Hasidic Judaism that has value, and that's the Torah. There, nothing else has value. Mm. You work only as a means to make money to enable you to study the Torah more. The, yep. The only reason. Yep. So another— When I was a kid, that's what I thought all religious people should be doing, by the way. I was like, if we believe this is true, why aren't we all just like— trying to stay alive and read it well hasidic jews have figured out a way to do that and in fact in israel it's so it's state sponsored right all of the and you don't have to go to the military a lot of resentment oh yeah they're all on welfare they're literally all welfare cheats they're just staying on welfare because in the in the old days we're getting off topic a little bit but in the old days they would identify the scholars in the neighborhood take them put them in a seminary and have them read the torah all day yeah and the other people the dumb people 
would and the regular people would go get jobs to support this whole system. Uh. But now that they're state-sponsored, uh, you know, uh, religious support, the Hasidic Jews are manip- literally the Hasidic communities in in Israel. Some of them, not all of them, are manipulating the system so that every single Hasidic person will stay in seminary their entire life, just sucking on the teat of Israeli welfare as the secular people go to to the military to fight for them. And they say, hey, if the, nobody was studying Torah, this this country would be collapsed anyway. We're doing well. It's like okay, good good magic. But anyway, wow. so my brother, um, also he was in seminary himself at one point, and he was re- I'll never forget this story. He was reading The Lord of the Rings, and this guy goes to him. What is, do you, what it, do you, isn't Schmeagol? A Jew? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> my precious. <laughs> I was trying Schmeagol. 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 I was trying to say that, and I said Schmeagol. I was going to say it wasn't Schmeelu in <laughs> If he's not in it, he's one of the towns. So my brother's reading Lord of the Rings, and one of his compatriots comes up to him and goes, um, why are you reading this? And he's like, what? He's like, what do you read? What is this, fiction? He's like, yeah. He goes, it's fun. It's just a book. He goes, oh, never read fiction. Why would I want to read another man's lies? <laughs> <laughs> That's how useless everything is. If it's not the Torah... Yeah. It's, just, it's not like a lovely work of art. It's another man's lies. Wow. So my brother was, uh, when he was, um, he was, before he became religious himself, he was, he, they went to Israel on this college tour. Right? Uh, no, it was like a semester abroad. Oh. And they're having like a meeting with a Hasidic person. And the Hasidic person is sitting there and he's going, you know, oh, he's it's. He's Hasidic there? <laughs> he's Hasidic there with his hat. <laughs> and he's saying, Oh, you know, Hasidic Jews, we celebrate life, and we love religion, and we love God, and it's lovely and wonderful, and we dance. And my brother's sitting there, and he's getting more and more angry. He's telling me the story. He's getting more and more angry, and he finally, he just goes, he just goes, this is, I don't know what he said, but something to the effect of, inappropriate. It made everyone uncomfortable. He's like, this is complete bullshit. This isn't a bunch of dancing and happiness and wonder. It's judgmental. It's fucking stark. It's, it, it's, it's angry. It's terrible. And... The Hasidic guy, to his credit, very calmly was like, um, he goes, I grew up like this, you know. I know. You're just filling this this room with bullshit. And the guy goes, well, let me, let me ask you a question. What, what sect of Judaism, of Hasidic Judaism, was your family from? And my brother's like, Satmar and New Square, why? And he goes, I hate to tell you this, but you just got really, really unlucky with the two groups that your father was affiliated with. Like... Every those are the two most intense, the most stark, the most like he said that this Hasidic Jew basically was like if you had grown up in a different sect of Hasidic Judaism, you would have a different you would have had a different experience. These are the two worst that you could have selected. Oh my god! I don't know about worse. I don't want to say worse, but the least fun for a person. The most stark. Yeah. So that's the world that my that I was dropped into six weeks a year. Wow. So my bar mitzvah. Um, was it was this is uh, how uh, old were you? How 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 far into this are we? Because I, I have a I have a uh, end Do you to, have to go. No, not at all. But I have an end to this story that I think will will end this episode well. Oh, really? So it's my bar mitzvah. I so, mean, do it to it. I mean, whatever we. I mean, it doesn't. Whatever. Tell the story. Um, my bar mitzvah. My brother's bar mitzvah was even worse than. Can mine. I get a laugh for how old were you? <laughs> I didn't even oh, hear thank it. You, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> That's really good. Yeah, I was forty. Uh, no, my it's my bar mitzvah. 
and it's it's Hasidic. It's the world that my dad lives in now. Mm-hmm. So what happened was my dad, you know, he got divorced and he was this painter. He put his paints away, put his paints away forever. No more painting. No more painting. He joined. He got a job at the post office. Doesn't someone have to like paint the maps in the back of the Bible and stuff? I mean, he absolutely could he could have painted, but why would I want to paint another man's lies? Oh, his own lies. His own lies. Oof. Oof. Wait, how do they reconcile the fact that this is a big question, but that like men, like human men, wrote these words? They don't believe that. They don't believe that the Bible, that the Torah fell from the sky on a parachute. Yeah, they do. They do. I mean, what do you mean by that? I mean, what's that, your like, question mean? People, you know, it's rumored that Moses wrote Genesis, for example. Right. Moses, guy, perspective. Oh, that God character. You know what I mean? God changing his mind. It's all throughout the Old Testament. R- right. I mean, I God understand being... the question that you're asking. The, the, like, the... like people, religious people like me love being like, well, that was added by a scholar later. That's not as historically accurate as this. And, you know, people like me who still consider myself spiritual can be like, or this is perhaps just a huge myth. Where do they get the footing to be like, this is Joseph Smith <laughs> style. <laughs> this is carved in gold. Well, what's really interesting actually is... Um... Is uh, Christianity is even more interesting. That cognitive dissonance that you're talking about is even more uh, pronounced in Christianity because there's literally no way that it was written by God. I mean, it's not possible. Even according to its own mythology, it's not true. Right. The Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of Mark, these right. are written by Luke and Mark. Right. You the, and and not only that, everybody knows historically there was many more gospels, and then they had a. This, this That's blew my the, mind. The canonizing. Yeah. This blew my mind when I heard about the Council of Nicaea. Like yeah. when I heard about the, the, the. But that happened with the Torah as well, for well, sure. Well, there were other writings. There are. There's no. It, I don't doubt that. But what I'm saying is, it's it's historically inarguable yes, to say it happened that happened it did happen everybody accepts that it happened that they had a meeting where they right. went this 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 book this represents the ex- divine it's a crazy cognitive right. dissonance it's well, like we're, we're looking at and here's the great thing I'm, I'm just agreeing with you as we're saying that was a type of divine inspiration that occurred then and then stopped occurring the ability to select which things were divine and then words. the people that that's what I meant yes and also the people that wrote those things were having divine inspiration when uh, Paul wrote, uh, you know, allegedly, I think it was Paul, wrote Revelation uh, from prison, right? I think that's Paul. It doesn't matter. You don't have to Google that. Uh, one comment. It was. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying. You know what's, what's really he crazy? He had divine inspiration that we, the Mormon, the Mormon church says that still occurs. There are active oh, prophets right. writing now, writing things that's. But there's a difference between prophecy and canonized Torah, the Bible, gospel. Right. So even even Paul's letters are different than the gospel, right? Yes, Paul's letters are critiques on... Even though they are accepted canonically, they're not the same level of divinity as the gospel. Not, no. Not to a Bible-believing Christian. But, like... In fact, most of most of what you would recognize as Christianity is coming from Paul. No, I'm familiar with that, but like in Judaism, there's this thing called um, midrash, which are oral the oral Torah. Yep. So these are commentary on the text. Oral Torah. Oral Torah, yeah. Where you, you know, you just blah, 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 blah. You know what I'm Torah. saying? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I wasn't making that joke. Oh, I thought you were. <laughs> I just, those words sound the same. Oral, to- oral Torah. Oral Torah. It's like Rurajur. 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 
a oh. rural juror. So there's this saying in about the midrash because the midrash are these commentaries and stories about the stories that were written down. Yes, there's a story on the midrash that says only a fool would believe that all of the midrash are true, and only a fool would believe that none of them are. Hmm. So that that's weird. It's so like that's well, right in there. That's well, that's a saying about it, but it's like that's weird. Well, what am I supposed to believe? And they they would say something like, "Believe them all." But you know, but only a fool. It's like it's very Jewish, you know. But what, what I, mean? I enjoy about believe them all, but Judaism, you know, they're not all true. Judaism being like, let's let's look at this scripture in every possible way. You know what I mean? Having a little bit of a relationship with it. Anyway, you go to your story. I feel like I'm, I've derailed that. No, no, I think this is also. interesting. Oh yeah, okay, good. I'm I'm also interested. So how don't... do how do Jews? Yeah, where do they? I'm basically where do they saying get off? where do they get off? Where do they get off believing this crap? But it's just interesting to me. You're saying, at least in your experience, it was treated obviously like, no, this is true, and everything else is a lie someone made up. Well, there's actually a really beautiful story about the authorship of the, of the Bible. So the Bible, the, 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 the tablets were given by God. Those the, are the commandments. Yeah, the tablets, the Ten Commandments. Yeah. So this is a very strange story. My brother was just talking to me about this in the Bible. It's a very weird story. Yes. That the, the, the Ten Commandments, Moses goes up, God gives him two tablets. God. Yeah. Says, yeah. I made these. Check them out. Here you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moses takes the tablets that God gave him, walks back down the mountain. The people are, are worshiping the golden calf because they got afraid because he was gone for so long. He throws the tablets at the golden calf, ba-boom, and then goes back up the mountain and God forgives him and says, now you build the tablets. It's like very strange, right? That is, yeah. That's it's strange. like a very weird narrative. But anyway. Well, that's why the tablets weren't in God's handwriting. Honestly, that's kind of what I feel like we're covering up. Right. right. Covering, yeah. yeah. It's not a great cover story. But back words. then. Why didn't Moses just walk down and say, God made these? If you heard an M. Night Shyamalan twist back in the Bible days, your dick would have <laughs> totally. exploded. That was considered a huge <laughs> twist. What, 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 totally. that, that would be in God's handwriting. But he threw them. Oh! You're saying there was a lady in the water? <laughs> <laughs> From half court, motion catcher. Okay, so so then somebody wrote the Bible. You're right, correct. Moses was inspired to write the Bible. Yeah. He, he had connection with God. I don't think that's and, really in, in our... I don't think that's up for debate. I mean, it's up for debate whether he was inspired by God. Right. But I think that that's implicit in the belief system is that, that Moses, Moses wrote it. was getting revelations from God, right. writing them down. The really interesting, this is a, this is a pretty profound story. Uh, there's a passage at the end of, uh, of the Torah, at the end of Exodus, because Moses never made it to Israel. Yeah, right? not let in. So who wrote the, who wrote the part where, the, where they walked across into Israel? Right. If Moses wrote the Bible... And Moses died before they got to Israel. Who was the one that wrote the, the whole part at the end? Right. And so some people, the less romantic version is that Aaron, his brother, who carried on the torch or whatever, wrote, wrote that. Pu- Aaron, the stutterer. No, no, no. Please. Moses was a stutterer. No, Aaron, Moses spoke for Aaron. We, no, other uh, way around. What? That's actually what's so interesting about Moses as a figure. I'm reading this book right now called uh, History of the Jews by Paul Johnson, and it's basically saying that Moses couldn't have been a made-up figure because who would create... A, a character that flawed. He can't speak. He's a coward. He's stern. People don't he like him. He murdered a dude. He mur- people don't even like him. The people don't even like him. Yeah. They like Aaron. Aaron's yeah. the guy they like. He's he's handsome. He can speak well. So, oh, you're right. I did mix it up. So they say. So the you know the less romantic version is that Aaron wrote the the passage as they crossed over into Israel and Moses stayed on the other side and died. Yeah. But the more romantic one is that Moses wrote it with tears falling onto the page. He wrote as he watched his people walk away. But then, I guess, where did the book 
if he wrote it, where would they get the passage from? If they came back, they doubled back or go, yeah, can I get the medium soup? Well, it's, you know, it's kind of like when I watch a reality show now and I'm following you, Moshe, in the car. Yeah. And you're like, I'm going to go meet Julie for the first time. I mean, I'm nervous. But, you know, it's been a while since I howled at the moon. <laughs> you pull up, and then if you watch the reality show, there's one camera following you up to Julie's house. And then the shot that they get is from inside Julie's house opening the door. Reality. You know what I mean? So it's like that's the Bible version. Totally. But who wrote? How did they get the camera crew in Julie's house? <laughs> yeah, totally. And why was Julie mic'd? <laughs> <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> so, So that's... So it's my bar mitzvah. That's the world that I'm living in. Yeah, it's, it's a wild of, world. A very strange. I couldn't give over to you how strange it is. Yeah, I, I couldn't possibly. I mean, it's so fucking weird that it's a part of my. If you look, were at you me, trying to like bang? No, I was terrified. <laughs> I was. I was terrified. Really? I grew up in this world. A sh- I mean, filled with dread and shame that at any moment the covers would be pulled on me and it would be revealed that I was a, I was a sham, that I wow. wasn't religious, I didn't know what I was doing. I used to walk into temple with an English prayer book, a prayer book that had both English and Hebrew, and people would stare at it like I had brought a fucking, like, you know... Pentouts for them. I mean, straight, they'd be like, <laughs> what the fuck is that? Yeah. English? Yeah. So that's how, and I was just terrified. In fact, there's a story in the book, this is a very funny story. Uh, my my father would coach us. Is this the story you wanted to tell? No, no. Are we done? Were we out of time? No. My father would coach us. He would say, he would give us lies to tell. Because he was involved in this shame game too. And I think he must have been ashamed of his own past as a secular person. And he just wanted people to think of him as this like, pat, this, you know, there's this thing in religious Judaism, Judaism called FFB, from from birth. From means religious. It's Yiddish for religious, from from birth. So when you're making a match, you know, oh, I got this guy, Pete Holmes. Mwah, he's great, brilliant, good looking. Is he FFB? Well, he's not. Ah, it's not for me. <gasps> no. Yes. He's not FFB. He's not FFB. Oh. They want a from from birth. I won't FB anybody if they're not FFB. I hear you. That's how I am. Yeah, no. F- hashtag FFB. <laughs> from, from, from. 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 That's an easy one to pronounce. From. From. So we're going to pizza so my, my my father pulls me aside one day and he says to my brother and i he goes um okay if anybody ever asks you what yeshiva you go to what seminary what religious school you go to we don't go we go to public school yeah we're in public school in oakland okay yeah yeah, yeah. we don't know anything about religious stuff really except for how to pretend to look like we know what we're doing so I'm, what was I'm, your catchphrase i'm a, I'm a fucking expert ah the mysteries of g slash <laughs> d <laughs> <laughs> Whatever people would ask or say. Hey, what can I say? G slash D knows. <laughs> you did have a phrase. I didn't have a phrase. I would, yeah, I would have ways of talking and acting, and, and in temple especially, I would get up and I would <laughs> shuckle in such a way that it looked very. Gen- I would look around, and I became this kind of shuckle, chameleon. meaning like feeling uh, it in the bosom. Sw- sway back and forth. Yep, I've seen the shuck. So you, I would look around and I would see the way people do it. Not too much. If you do it too much, it's obvious that you're a neophyte and being like touched by the spirit. You don't want to yeah. look touched by the spirit. You want to look like you're wearing it like a loose garment. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. You want to look like you've been doing this your whole life. Not you know? touched by the spirit, but having a meaningful phone call with the spirit. Yeah, man. That looks bad. Yeah. You, no, no, no. No meaningful phone call? No. This should just be like, mm, I'm, in, I'm in it. I do this. Uh-huh. Sure. You couldn't, you couldn't possibly imagine how uninspired the, the prayer services are in a Satmar Hasidic temple in Seagate. You couldn't possibly. They're not 
rousing? <laughs> They're so beyond not rousing. They're incomprehensible. <laughs> it's literally just a group of men going, literally going like, <laughs> mumbling in, in Hebrew. Mumbling. <laughs> so this <laughs> is what I mean when we got, we, we, stu- we stumbled into a bad sect. Because I'm, because yeah. another kind of Hasidic Judaism, there'd be songs and dancing, and right, that's the what stuff Hasidic, that your brother was mad about, right? Yeah, but we didn't know that there was a difference, right? So, um, so my 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 father says, if anybody asks you what yeshiva you go to, tell them, okay, tell them you go to Beth Jacob. Beth Jacob was the name of an Orthodox temple in Oakland that my father would go to when he would come visit us. Seemed like a plausible lie. Mm. He's my father, the religious Jew. Love him, God rest his soul. Is telling us a lie to tell people, yeah, yeah, just yeah. so that people will not be nosy, you know. Right. My brother. It's one of the Big Ten, though. It, it is one of the Big Ten. <laughs> Exodus twenty, bro. Right. <laughs> right. But you know what else is true is it's also one of the big soft ten to figure out how religious and good people, other people are. Oh. People are very into that. Oh, what yeshiva do you go to? Oh, you go to that yeshiva. Oh, are you FFB? Uh-huh. Oh, you're not? Oh, okay. Did you claim FFB? No one would have ever said, are you from, from birth? They would say that behind your back. Oh, he's totally not FFB. So clearly I wasn't, by yeah. the way. Yeah, Nobody yeah. was fooled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love in a world where we all joke that your name is Moshe and you're very like overt with your Judaism and your upbringing. You were in a community where people were like, that guy's not a Jew. <laughs> oh, they would scream goy at me. They would? In, in, the, in the neighborhood. There would, there would be... Dodgeball games where it would be the or, or, it would be the ultra orthodox kids versus the ac, the really religious kids. Oh, <laughs> That's wow! How intense it was! Wow. Okay, they were. It was so intense, <laughs> and I lived in this terror, this abject terror that I would get found out in that world when I was a kid. You know. So you would say you went to Beth. That's a ninety. You went to Beth. Beth Jacob. Beth Jacob. But my brother goes, no, no. Let's say. Let's say it in Yiddish to make it sound more authentic. And brothers, like, you know, like I say in the book, like shucking and jiving, trying to yeah. like bolster this illusion. Right. Uh, you know, and you go, no, 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 don't say Beth Jacob. Say Beis Yaakov. That's Yiddish. It'll sound better. Beis Yaakov. Let's say we go to Beis Yaakov. So we go to, we go to pizza one day. And, and sure enough. I don't like this story. <laughs> I don't like what's happening. Why would you tell me specifically what your brother said to say? And it's Yiddish. So sure enough, we're at the He's pizza doubling joint. Doubling down. We're at, the, we're at the pizza joint. And this fucking couple walks right up to us. A fucking talking, couple? Uh, a married couple. An oh, old, I thought you said kappa, which is no, like, no, no. like a heavy Jew. No, something. no. <laughs> kappa. <laughs> kappa soup. Medium. Walk. This old couple, this, this married couple walks up to us, starts t- small talk, small talk, and then they turn to us. And they're like, so, new, to what yeshiva do you go? That's another weird thing about American Orthodox they Jews. Like they have a strange vernacular. It's very true. To what yeshiva do you go? Who, by who are you staying for Shabbos? Yeah. Really? Oh, 100%. Wow. Yeah, 100%. They have their own vernacular. Oof. Right? It's not a dialect because you would understand it, but it's a very... See, that's interesting because I was just reading about how like couples that have like a lot of language of their own yeah. are like way more likely to stay together. Interesting. And that's like a... It's, I'm not saying this is a cult necessarily. I'm just saying that's a cult thing. Right. Like uh, different religions, different... Certainly modern religions too will do that where we're like, we don't call that this and we don't talk that way and we say this. You know, in Christianity, we had that too. Right. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I imagine some of it has to do with the fact that linguistically, the Hasidic community is a mixed up. You know, they've been praying in a dead language 
Yeah. They speak in a dead la- in a secondary dead language, yep. and then they live in America, so they speak English. So right. it's all mixed up. Right, right, right. So say like, by, who are you staying by this Shabbos? Yeah. Staying by. Never. Who, whose house are you going to for Shabbos? Yeah. Always. Who are you staying by? Who are you staying by? Yeah. Wow. And then new. New is a big thing. New? New means like, so. New. New. Like a new topic emerges? No, no, no. N-U. New. New, Pete, when are you going to... New Pete, when oh, are you going to put out a new podcast? Like with uh, Spanish este. Maybe. <laughs> este. So they come up to us. Qual Shabbos. Qual Shabbata. So they come up to us and go, new, so, to what yeshiva do you go? And I was just like, you know, just. And I'm like, I mean, I'm just terrified. You know, I can't speak. You know, I just thought that at some point I would just scream like, of black people you know like i just <laughs> i didn't know what to say because i'm a public school kid my brother gal- gallantly like steps in he goes to base yakov we go to base yakov and then the woman goes base yakov the girls school apparently there was a famous girls yeshiva in brooklyn called base yakov we had not been briefed on this logistical possibility. Oh, no. And we looked to my father for like... He was there? Yeah, he's there. We go, what do we do? <laughs> my dad is like sort of like looking off into the distance. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, thank God I'm deaf. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So that was another day. <laughs> but in my reality, he heard it. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. But then it was like, a, thank God people think I'm deaf. <laughs> He's never been deaf. <laughs> uh, so, you know, that was the kind of world I lived in. What did in. you say? I have no idea. Just I, I think I uh, grabbed my forehead, pulled it out, <laughs> popped a zipper handle out, <laughs> zipped down my own skin. Took off my skin and handed it to the lady. I was like, you'll be keeping that. And walked out into a world of lemon juice. But, um... <laughs> so... You'll be keeping that! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, so that's the background. I mean, I, I wish... I have so many stories I could tell you about this world, but I'll... I'll... So many I want to hear. But well, the, what was the other one that you were like, the this one will end... Oh, so God, you my... got a lot of... Chums in the oh god! Chums in the chayer. <laughs> See when you when you do it, it's better. When I do it, it's like Sounds yeah. <laughs> he's trying. So it's my bar mitzvah. So my brother's bar mitzvah was even worse than mine. My mm. brother's bar mitzvah. It would just be like they would hire a hall, a weird catering hall, like you know the Armenian ones you see here in L.A. Uh huh. It was like that, but for Hasidic people, hire a hall, you know, partition down the middle, men on one side, women on the other. Right, love it. My brother's the entertainment at my brother's bar mitzvah was literally a man, an old Hasidic man with a synthesizer. (laughs) I swear, just a just medium soup, medium soup, swimming in the coins like Scrooge McDuck soup. What do you have to say, Stephen Hawking? Muscle tough. <laughs> do, do the song again just since you did it. Heidel Diddle Die, medium soup. Oh, Heidel Diddle Die, medium soup. What did the Jews do? We survived the Holocaust so we could come and never talk to non Jews again. 
Hi, little die, little die, medium soup. Hi, little die, little die, medium soup. New to what yeshiva did you go? The girls' school, shame on you. You're a public school guy. It sounded Native American, which made it... really because that that actually when you started banging on the table, that's that was actually very legit. Really? Yeah, it would be a very that was what you would do. You would bang on the table and create a beat. So that was just one man. Medium so <laughs> No, it would be more like this. The Native American would be like Hi diddle die diddle die medium soup. 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 We came across the land from Brooklyn to Oakland. He didn't want to hold. We smoked. (laughs) We We went into the diner. No, this is too Jewish. We went into the diner. All we wanted was a medium (laughs) soup. Medium soup. Medium soup. They said they would bring us a medium soup. They signed a treaty. We smoked the pipe together. What do you know? A whole bowl. Medium soup. Oh man. So they make beverages small, medium, large. Why does the soup? Why? I mean, the. Uh, so. So my brother had that entertainment. <laughs> but my bar mitzvah came around. My dad convinced me not to invite my own mother. Yes. And um and look, it sounds like I'm resentful of my dad. I I'm really not. I think everybody in my family was my mom was a, f- a complete villain in the story too, you know. She did terrible things too. I mean Yeah, you said she lived in your bosom. And she told my told me my father loved my brother more than me and she did terrible th- everybody did terrible I did terrible things. I was violent back I, the whole thing is a fucking mess. You know, yeah. we were we were in a typically atypical dysfunctional family. Mm. So at my bar mitzvah, I don't know anyone at my own bar mitzvah, none of my friends not one of my friends. It was just, as I say in my act, there's just extras from the set of Fiddler on the Roof that had been hired to come play the part of my friends and family. <laughs> no, that's Little Big Man. <laughs> different Jew, different movie. Um, but for the entertainment, for the entertainment, my dad, he stepped his game up. Maybe maybe, maybe because he felt guilty about Maybe Medium invite. Soup wasn't available. <laughs> I'm booked. <laughs> he got this guy... Mordechai Ben David, who is the biggest Hasidic Jewish pop star in in the world, or was at that time. There might be people that have eclipsed him at this point, but he was like, he's a big star. And if you Google him, I've Googled him since, his shit is pretty good. I mean, he's got a good, he's got a good voice and he's got something. And he lived in the neighborhood my dad lived in. He's got that that king gene. (laughs) Or something, right. (laughs) So he shows up to my bar mitzvah. My dad goes, look, it's Mordechai Ben David, you know. He said he had to come play. He wanted to come play. 
And I, it took me 20 years to realize there's no fucking way Mordechai Ben David had to play. Yeah. It'd be like if you walked in to some kid's you know, bar mitzvah and they're like, that's comedian Pete Holmes. He said he had to perform here. He wanted to be at your bar mitzvah so bad. No. My yeah, dad yeah, yeah. begged him, him to come or paid him and yeah. he came and it was like a big deal. And, my, you know, unfortunately. I am available for bar mitzvahs. <laughs> yeah, right. It's a Drake style. <laughs> my, uh, you know, my, my dad was, you know, Spared the shocking realization because he was deaf that uh, even the best of Hasidic pop stars still sound pretty much high little die. <laughs> but I was, you know, whatever. It was my, that was my bar mitzvah. So I'm fucking miserable. Yeah. And what I ended up spending my bar mitzvah money on, just to 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 tell you uh, the question you asked at the beginning, what I ended up spent, what I ended up blowing all fifteen hundred dollars of my bar mitzvah money on was phone sex. I would sneak. Down, this I think is, you mentioned that. This is where I became a fuck guy. That's perfect. Yeah. Wow. I would sneak downstairs while my Hasidic family slept, and I would call phone sex lines in the middle and of the night. And then pay them back? Well, then eventually. When you're doing phone sex, you're just trying, speaking of cognitive dissonance about texts, you're just trying to ignore the fact that there's phone bills coming, and that deaf people don't call phone sex lines. Right. So they'll be able to identify who the culprit is. Phone sex is entirely wasted on the deaf. <laughs> So, <laughs> little die, little die, what are you wearing? <laughs> are you wet for me? Hi, little die, of course I am 18. Why are you asking? Oh, I sound like a teen. Wait, were you good at phone sex as a teen? I guess I must have been, huh? But you they're got good. a lot of practice. You know, they're good. Yeah. They, they, they're, they're, they're used to, I mean, that's their job, you know? Then they get a lot of kids. I think I maybe told this story on the show before, but I called the phone sex line and I was like, Hi! Oh, what are your... What are your... No t- Jews in sight! <laughs> Wait, why? Because you're Mickey... You sound like Ranky Mouse. Oh. <laughs> Straight up. Ah, that was good. <laughs> Not a Jew in sight! <laughs> hey, Minnie! <laughs> Gorsh, Mickey, there's not a Jew in sight. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. So, <clears throat> phone sex. Ten, phone sex, that's how it happened. I mean, I, I, I can't do the, I want to do the bit, but it's like, it's a bit. I'm not going to do a bit on your podcast. Oh, you have a Come bit see me that. live. It's the, it's the bulk of my story. Oh, right. But uh, the bulk of my current touring hour is this story of the phone sex. So come see me live. Yeah. But, um, ten, so years go by. Ten years later. It's um my you know I my dad gets sick very quickly rapidly declines he's you know dying I have that conversation with Shmilu you remember Shmilu yep. of course you're so lucky you're so lucky you can actually do the scandalous thing of becoming an attorney what I wouldn't give to be grueling away in law school yeah exactly that's his that's his Bahamas that's his <laughs> rock star actually yeah you know what I mean that's his stand up comic or whatever yeah so my dad dies. And we're sitting Shiva, you know, and, um, and, uh, and, uh, the way that Shiva works is you sit there and three times a day, 10 men will gather and you'll say a prayer for the soul of the departed. And you have to have 10 men for some special express train prayer to go to God. Yeah. So, uh, it is. Hey God, we got a prayer. Oh, how many men? Uh, it's four. I'm busy. <laughs> Call me when it's ten. I'll have a medium soup. <laughs> he's at a diner. <laughs> For some reason, he's at a diner. 
There were Oscars for improvised medium soup callbacks. Everyone would standing ovation when you got that award. God, I throw, I throw you into a god room. I'm picturing him just on a cloud or something. Me too, though. But he also is at a restaurant because all things are possible with the Lord. Uh. Oh, medium soup. He turns away from his assistant. Back to his waitress. God, God himself <laughs> the Lord. finds a bowl a bit much and a cup not quite enough. <laughs> the question is, if there's an all-powerful God, can he make a cup of soup that is medium enough even for him? <laughs> And I like that it's not like <laughs> clam chowder or minestrone. It's just all <laughs> <laughs> the medium soup. I think it's an um. <laughs> I'll have a medium soup. Uh, <laughs> I'll have a medium soup. <laughs> what kind of soup? I'm God. <laughs> Matzo ball. <laughs> So, 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 um, so as you know, the bar mitzvah is the ascension to manhood, you know? Yep. So 10 years later, my dad is sick and he dies and we're sitting Shiva and, and and like I said, this express train. So 10, 10 men will gather at the house every day as you commemorate the, do you want to do some more soup? No, I'm just (laughs) laughing about what did happen. 10 men come in. Um, so one day, ten men come in. Actually, uh, ten men come in. My, my my father's best friend Billy Newman, who is a deaf man, uh-huh. and a, another deaf man who's my brother, his brother-in-law, mm. um, are there. And then, guess who comes and is the tenth man? Tenth man, Mordecai. Mordecai Ben David. No, walks, walks into the house just to pay his respects, and he's the tenth man. And we say, great, we've got ten men. Let's start the prayers. And Mordecai Ben David. Stop, 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 stop. We don't have ten men officially yet. The two deaf guys don't count. Now, I'm in my father's house. A deaf man's house. A deaf man's house. His best friend and his brother-in-law are in there. And he stops it and says the two deaf guys can't be counted in a minion, what's called a minion, the express train thing, because they're deaf. It's uh, theologically incorrect, but I, I, and it's also just common sense-wise indecent. Yes. You know? Yes. <clears throat> and I wanted to stand up. You know me. Yeah. I'm an asshole. I'll fucking tell anybody anything. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I want, I'm 20. I want to stand up and say, you know, get the fuck out of my house. But I'm so filled with that childhood shame from when I was a kid being found out to be not good enough in that Jewish way. I just couldn't muster the strength to do it. <clears throat> and I just sat there. As he did this, and we waited for two more men to come. Oh. And my brother, too, we both just sat there. We were shocked. Our dad had died literally days earlier, like two days earlier. And uh, we didn't do anything. We didn't do anything. And I just sat there, and I promised myself that if I were ever to be asked to do a prominent podcast for a second time, I would use that opportunity to tell the world what a piece of shit Mordechai Ben David was. Uh. Um, and my book, and every other form of media that 
you've ever had. He didn't just make a mistake because my aunt wrote him a letter and said, this is why theologically what you did was wrong and this is why morally what you did was wrong. And he never wrote back. So he deserves, I hope to God he's heard about my book, that passage in the book. Yeah. Um, that where I say, I just promised myself if I ever wrote a book, I would tell the world, use it to tell the world what a piece of shit Mordechai Ben David was. Oh, wow. So here's the end wow. of the Wow. It was really intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. End of the story. A year later. There is a sketch version where he keeps going down the line of why some of the guys don't count as men. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bernie? Bernie's not a man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at this little weird neck. <laughs> we need another guy to cover Bernie. Hold on. <laughs> I wish I hadn't picked such an obvious name. Um, so a year, a year goes by. <clears throat> yes. And the shiva's really an intense thing. You know, you spend seven days sitting. Yeah. Dealing with your grief. At the end of the seven day, you stand up, you walk around the block as if to let the soul of the departed person go, and they're gone. Then you spend 30 days not shaving, not listening to music, not going to movies, and then you spend a year saying the prayer for the dead uh, when you go to temple, and um, it's like a very structured grief thing. And what if you, happens if someone dies during the shiva? Someone else dies. Yeah, I guess you would just I have start no over. idea. Start over? 14-day shiva? Yikes. That sounds shitty. That's too much Shiva. What if, it's what too if much they die Shiva. on the first day of Shiva and you're like, we could... We could double it up. <laughs> we do an eight-day Shiva. Mordechai, what do you think? It's good. No deaths. Was he deaf, the guy that died? Yeah, he was. All right, you're fine. You don't even have to start over. 30-minute Shiva for a death. <laughs> <laughs> you wipe your hands with a moist towelette. You roller skate with one roller skate. That's a Shiva for a death. Shiva for a death. Some laughter, some tears. I mean, speak of gallows humor and pain in humor like you know when people you know this is the stuff that i think back at this is how i find like like we're talking about pain through humor like this is it like my whole book was was about my whole life is about laughing at things that were painful yeah 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 and there was this aa speaker i once heard it said anything you ever laugh at you'll never be ashamed of again mm. and i think that that really resonated with me so i think that's why i tell jokes about any subject i think that's great with impunity because it's like this is what we're doing you'll never be ashamed of again yeah i i love that and that's a good mantra for this you know i we share so much on the show right you, you have to wonder like what is the purpose of that all and then i also love i believe <clears throat> it was freud said the only way to not need therapy or to like be completely sound is to have no secrets and I find that to be very nice, too. For sure. You know, there's also a saying from the Torah, which is, um, there's, there's two people that are guaranteed a place in... What? <laughs> Say it. What? I just feel a medium soup coming. No, 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 no. It's not. It's not. This is real. Yeah. There's a Mishnah. You know, the ones that you believe all of them, you're a fool. <laughs> yeah. But there's a Mishnah that says um, that there are two people that are guaranteed a place in the world to come. One, I don't remember. Two, I don't remember the first one. Two? Oh. A comedian. No. Yeah. Really? The comedian that made a person laugh is guaranteed a place in the world to come because he brought joy to other people. No. I swear to God. That's great. Guaranteed a place in heaven if that you're a Mishnah comedian. That Mishnah is a mitzvah. That Mishnah is one that I believe. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's convenient? Yeah, exactly. Because it great. applies to me. That's great. <clears throat> so a year goes by. It's a year later. I'm now, I think, I guess 21 years old. Mm. The year after my dad died. Um, I'm going to start comedy pretty soon. I'm not, I'm not there yet. Yep. At this point in my life, I go home, I grow my hair out, I look crazy. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, I look I look like I've got long hair, super long hair. Mm. I just look like a wild man. You know, big old kind of Samson-y hair. Like a wolf. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like Samson, you know, yeah, like yeah, Sam, yeah. you know the story of Samson in the Bible. With Samson the gauntlets, got all of his power from, from his hair. From his hair, yeah. You know? He knocked down the walls to Jericho because he had this powerful hair. You know, yeah. <laughs> he had all the super super strength. Look at that hair. So what a powerful head of hair. <laughs> so. Like Chris D'Elia. The two, guys, the two guys watching it uh, like a giant Whoa. man. Hold on a minute. <laughs> interpreting it so wrong. It must be the hair. Oh, my God. Just, the writer of the just story. two bald guys. He's a giant, I mean, big, strong man. Uh, wow, the great hair. Oh, he's got good hair. must be. That's before they knew what strength was. It's got to be that hair. I would assume it's the hair. <laughs> you mean you want me to rewrite this where it's not his hair? It's clearly his hair. <laughs> I'll have a medium soon. Okay, so. <laughs> look, look. Let's take the manuscript. We'll get a couple medium soups. I got lunch with God right now, okay? I, too, will have a medium soup. Thank you. I'll have what he's having. Yeah. Always the right choice when you're having lunch with God. Oh, yeah, totally. You're in a diner. Yeah. You look over at somebody making a lot of noise, right? Yeah. Sitting with Billy Crystal, making yeah. a lot of noise. He's going, uh, 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 let there be light. Uh, medium soup. I'll have what he's having. <laughs> That's what God says when he comes, let there be light. <laughs> That's, that was your, uh, what was it, when Harry Wait met Sally orgasm Dude, scene? I just want to stop you because I feel like you just said something accidentally profound. Is, has anyone ever said before that the creation of the universe is God coming? Because uh, like, when you think about it, like that's what that is. I'm not trying to make a joke here, even, yeah. but it's hilarious. Like, life existing. Life shoots out of God. The Big Bang. The Big Bang is God literally shooting well, a big, not fat, com- universe-sized load all over time and what was what is now time and space. Yeah. A mo- the biggest load ever. Yeah. This is a big, fat pile of cum. It contains this universe. The multiverse, the universe where you kiss the girl and don't kiss the girl as you are drenched in God's cum. Welcome back to Going, to going, going, God. Gandhi. Act one, we discuss a medium soup-sized bowl Act two, of God's cum. Buddha with, but- Buddha with butterfly wings. Act three, taking God's cum and telling everybody else to come on and change the world. Come all ye, I have a dream. Come all ye faithful. Come all ye faithful. On today's. Come out ye faithful. Gay people, come out. Come out of the closet. <laughs> <laughs> where where were we? So it's a year later. Yep. I got long hair like Samson. Yep. I walk. It's got to be the hit. It's uh, it's gotta, it must be the hit. I go back to Seagate to to New York. Uh, on the year anniversary of my father's death to celebrate his death. And, and what you do, you get together. You, you, I mean, celebrate his life. But the year anniversary is like a big thing. So I fly back home and, I, um, and, and you, know, you have a little party and then you go to temple and you do this final prayer for the, uh, of the morning of the dead of the year. You're done. You're, 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 you're done with this prayer that yeah. you've been saying all year long. And I fly back home and I, I, we're getting ready to go to, to temple. And all of a sudden I realize that I've got this fucking hair. You know, and I shrink to this little seven-year-old kid again in that pizza place, like fucking Basiakov, no skin, terrified. Everybody's going to find out, and of course they're going to find out. It's demonstrative. It's on my, it's on my head. Yeah, like I'm, I have long hair. There's I thought no- you were supposed to stop cutting it though. 
No, 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 no. That was just during the 30 days. Oh, no, you don't shave for 30 uh, days. That's not connected to... No. I've got literally long hair. Like, like if, a, if an English prayer book is an alarm bell for look at this goy, like, yeah. I'm, I have long hair like a rock and roll guy. Yeah. Now, that's fine in, in, in Oakland where I'm living. But again, I'm not 21 years old, you know, but I'm, I, I'm freaking out like I'm a seven-year-old boy again. Everybody's going to know. I'm going to go to temple. They're all going to turn. They're all going to look. I'm like, I'm, I'm literally freaking out. I, I'm grabbing... My little brother's bar mitzvah hat, like, you know, those borsalinos that the Jews wear, you know, the, like, fedoras. Yeah. You know, but this is not the cool Williamsburg fedora. This is, like, the old school, like, mafioso fedora. Yeah. And I'm, like, literally, like, comically stuffing. It's a, a hat for a person with a smaller head than me. It does yeah, not fit. Yeah, yeah. It does not fit on top of my head. Yeah. And I'm, like, stuffing my hair into the hat. Like, like Marge Simpson style. Yeah, or like the, the Scarecrow from Wizard of Oz. It's like ah. stuffing my brains back into my head as they <laughs> spill out. And <clears throat> all of a sudden, in this, I'm, I'm literally panicking, you know? Because it, it's like, if you could go back to your place of deepest childhood trauma and have it physically manifested on your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just take this moment where I go, I take a deep breath, and I go, I look at my feet, you know, I go, okay, here I am, I'm 21 years old, I'm, a, I, I'm not a child, I'm not seven, I'm not, I'm not back then, I'm not, there's nothing to be ashamed of, I'm here, I'm, they're going to see my hair, I took a deep breath, I took that hat off of my head, I let my hair spill down onto my shoulders like Samson, you know, I got my strength back, I broke down the walls to my past, and I, that day... Became a man. Yeah. Yeah. And you went. And I went. And I With just thought, hair. this is it. Man What style. do I care? I'm a grown-up. Yeah. I'm a man now. Yeah. I re- that's the day I felt like I became a man. Yeah. What do I care what these random, like, medium soups think? <laughs> what the fuck do I care? Why do I care? It, it's not even like, fuck those guys. It's like, fuck my own past. Yeah. What what, what world am I living in where like I care what... belief system in, in, yeah. in what's important. What do I care what these strangers in a, in a shtetl in Brooklyn think? Oh, no, he's not religious. I'm not religious. Yeah. They're right. Yeah. And what are they going to do with that information? They're going to yeah. go like this. Oh, not religious. Scandalous. Hey, diddle, diddle, diddle. I mean, they're just going to go back to life. And so that's what happened. I went to Temple. You know what happened in Temple And I walked in with long hair? What? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing happened. Somebody they probably was. looked and thought, oh, that guy's not religious. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. If I'd been like, can I hang out with you? They'd probably have been like, no, you have long hair. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. I was done. Oh, that's great. And I've never felt ashamed religiously since that point. I love it. That is a good way to end. Yeah. Do you feel satiated? I feel very good. I feel great. Gosh, I have, you make me laugh so hard. Oh, you too, man. You're the easiest person <laughs> to talk to in the world. For me. I appreciate that, but we were crying with laughter on the way over. That uh, was so fun. And I've been weeping this episode. Really funny. <clears throat> There's been some great moments. Oh, yeah. I loved it. And now begins the post-show. Why does Katie have a 49ers sticker up? Get that shit out of here. Are you a football? No. This is a house of nerds. Oh, fair enough. Right. <laughs> I don't care about the 49ers. Uh, well, thank you, Moshe. That was incredible. Oh, yeah, dude. I love you. I love you, too, man, so yeah. much. And I really appreciate it. Do you mind saying the silly thing? We say keep it crisp. You say Oh. Wait. <laughs> I'll do it as... I want to keep it crispy. No, 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 no. <laughs> Hold on. Keep it Grinsby. Oh, wait. How did I do it? With the up? Yeah. Gamebent. Grinsby. Anyway, guys, keep it crispy. <laughs> right, wait, do we plug things? Just go to my website or something. Cash, you're in the rye.
The Champs Podcast. MochaCaster.com. I love you. MochaCaster. Thank you, Pete. Thanks, Mocha. Man, I love you too. Keep it crispy. <laughs> <laughs> Now leaving Nerdist.com.